I always keep a bottle of helium in the house. Adam Curry, John C. Devorak. It's Thursday, May 17th, 2012. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination Episode 409er. This is No Agenda. Testing my head lag here at Camp Mofo in the capital of the Drone Star State, Austin Tejas. In the morning, everybody, I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where it's gloomy, I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill. In the morning. Wow. With a stinger. Stinger. Opening with so, a stinger. So, uh, Donna, it's gloomy here. Yeah. Donna Summer died. Oh, really? Yeah. You told me that a couple minutes ago. Yeah, that was a shocker. I think that like, was, and of course, my comment was it was the cover up the <laughs> Mary Kennedy assassination. Yeah. Yeah, that's real nice. <laughs> that's real nice. That wasn't an assassination, John. I heard it on the news this morning. She died due to lack of oxygen because of the rope around her neck. Yeah. They, that's literally, that's How many literally women the actually hang themselves. Ooh, that's a good, that's a good question for, uh, for a statistic. For that one thing, is, it takes a lot of effort. It's like a lot of crazy work. And you have to be kind of nutty. And it's, it's, and it's ridiculously showy. <laughs> it's, it's so selfish. Well, I mean, no, it's not selfish. It's just showy. That's Someone's got to cut you down. You know, it's like pain in your hanging ass. there, you know. It makes an impression <laughs> that any kids see it, they'd get ruined for life. I mean, it's not right. I mean, isn't it, isn't it just a really old-fashioned way of committing suicide? Yeah, and, and I think she was no stranger to pills. You know, she could, no, I think that might be exaggerated. I mean, maybe she was a you know rich woman that was wasted all the time on something or other. But mm-hmm. uh, not. it just seems like there's so many other easy ways to go. Yeah, the uh, sl- typically women will slit their wrists. <laughs> what? Do you have some scientific proof of this, <laughs> or are you just making this up as you go along? I'm just saying. <laughs> Look it up. Look it up on the Google. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, I'm a little depressed, John. Why? Well, uh, you know, the weather turned sour there in Austin. No, I'll say the weather is really beautiful today. Uh, But we were in Los Angeles uh, for a couple days. Went to visit. Oh, that'd make you depressed. (laughs) Well, for a number of reasons. Did you take take a vaccination against douchebaggery? (laughs) I should have. (laughs) Uh, That was actually um, what happened. Um. Is we were staying with uh, a guy who used to work at my first company in New York, and uh, he was an art director. And I'd, I kept in touch with him uh, over the years. And uh, when I was in Amsterdam, one time he came to visit. Very creative, crazy kind of guy. And uh, you know, we had a kind of a down uh, a down donation show on Sunday. And so for now, for today's, which you'll find out in a minute, uh, it's also down. Um, so you know, I'm already it's. I'm, I'm as, so you're as, down. So I'm as well. I'm okay normally, but I'm his ex boss. You know, it's like he says, "Hey, come, I go. We got a great place in Malibu, and he's got some mansion, dude. Dude, no, dude. Not only a mansion dude. on the beach, he's got uh, you know, he's got a brand new uh, Ferrari. Not that I uh, I crave a Ferrari, but I'm like, I'm like, and I won't mention I his name. Like, dude, what what are you doing? He says, oh, yeah, uh, well, I have a, a website. Like, <laughs> Type this into your browser. Okay, hang on. <laughs> you ready? Yeah. X-art.com. Uh, if you're doing this, uh, if you're playing along on the live stream and you're listening to the show, this is not safe for work. 
No, this is a this is a porn site. Yeah, but it's look at it. It is high end. This yeah, guy's doing that kind of uh, more. Uh, no, high high end. Yeah, it's slick. Yeah, he's doing stuff with red cams and uh, you know. So he he's and he's he's printing money. Yeah, well, that's what you can do. That we you know we could have gotten into the porn. This is my point. Well, now you know why I'm so down. <laughs> I'm like, really, you make movies of people having sex. And you make millions and millions and millions of dollars. I, on the other hand, read government legislation, and I'm just getting by. And well, yet, the difference is, is that you won't find yourself with your head with a head with your head on a stick because you didn't cough up some money to some mob boss. No, this I, I, this is a very always always no, this trends. Is a, this is a way. very clean operation so far. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah, and this all these girls are all from Czechoslovakia, and they shoot yeah. it in. In like, I'm sure one in, of them is a Russian mob boss's girlfriend. In, and when he finds in, out, this guy's going to have his head on a stick. <laughs> and the Ferrari's going to be burning in the, in the garage. Oh, thank you, John. You know how to lift my spirits, don't you? <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> mm. Beside that... Uh, I was very happy to return back home to Austin after, you know, you're in Malibu. You look up at the mountains and there's smog in Malibu. Isn't that pathetic? Oh, it re- and, you know, and we drove into town, obviously, to see Christina. You can't see town. You can't see the city. <laughs> you literally cannot this see it. One time a year. October is just as bad, too, which is funny. I mean, they have a it's an interesting effect down there. It's a bit. It's essentially the, the even if there was no cars down there, they'd have smog because of the, uh, the the way the land's laid out. Yeah, I remember when we lived there. There was one day, and you you, you actually looked at the city and you saw mountains behind it. You're like, huh? I didn't know there it's were mountains amazing. there. Actually, at one time I was in Pasadena where it's really beautiful if there wasn't smog, and the mountains were all around the place. It was like, wow, this is really pretty. You, it's like once in a lifetime, apparently. Mm. It really is. We only saw it once in like the two years that we were there. Anyway, I did, I did learn something interesting uh, from my buddy, you know, because, of course, I was like really interested in the business. His wife actually is. She runs it. She runs the whole thing. And uh, so, you know, their biggest problem is BitTorrent because, you know, their movies are the number one pirated movies on BitTorrent. And I said, so does that... Really- if it weren't pirated, he'd have two Ferraris? Is that what you're saying? Well, this is what I asked him. He said, you know, no, I don't believe so. He believes it's the community aspect. <laughs> I was like, well, hold on a second. And, you know, because there is... A, the people who are members of his site, you know, they know all the girls. They know what they're doing, what the next movie oh, yeah. is. I mean, it, it's just... It's yeah, just, just like hookers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're your friend. They are. They're totally your buddy. Yeah, they're your friend, those hookers. But here's here's what happened. So he got a call from uh, one of these uh, law firms that does... Um, you know, they do it for the uh, uh, MPAA and the RIAA. They go after people who BitTorrent stuff. And here's how it works. They're basically, they have, you know, single stringers all over the country. And, uh, you, know, you know, they'll do a conference call and be like, yeah, this is your lawyer in, uh, in uh, Mississippi. Yeah, here's your lawyer in Jersey. And it's, you know, one guy sitting in his uh, bedroom office. So the way it works is they subpoena the ISPs for the contact information of the IP addresses, which, you know, when you have a swarm of BitTorrent traffic, you can get the IP addresses, obviously. Uh, or unless it's a magnet link, it's getting harder. Thank goodness. Um, and then they contact these people, and they um, then they essentially uh, pressure them like mob 
into settling. And the owner of the content gets 10%. 10%. So they once got a check for, check this out, $300,000. And they're like, whoa, hold on a second. You know, what is the, and then they, they stopped doing this because they thought it was, you know, inherently kind of wrong. Uh, but the interesting part of the story is that there was one uh, person who had settled for like a hundred thousand dollars, and and they you know said, well, how do you know most of these people are settling for three thousand dollars, which is, is is also outrageous, of course. How did that how did that happen? Turns out that one person that was a woman who was an executive at the Screen Actors Guild. Yeah. And they were so worried that that would get out that they, uh, you know, and of course they were pressured by these mob like uh, lawyers that they settled for a hundred thousand dollars. It's, it's a complete mafioso operation. Yeah. Anyway. Of course. And I'm like 300,000. That's where, where they go. I'm like $300,000 <laughs> and we're giving it away, John, you and me. Yeah. Well, we're not hookers. <laughs> not yet. Well, you might be. I'm too old for it. I knew. I'm over the hill for being old. Oh, come on. There's always room for a gilf. <laughs> a gilf. <laughs> anyway, so, in, in the morning uh, in the morning to you, John C. Dvorak. In the morning to you, Adam, and in the morning to all ships at sea, boots on the ground, subs in the water, and feet in the air. And all of our human resources all charged up, ready to go in our chat room, noagendastream.com, noagendachat.net. Good to see you all. Uh, depleting your uh, human resource value of $9.2 million. Uh, and welcome to the show. Best podcast in the universe. I tried to get on the Joe Rogan show, too, but I got no answer. Thought it would be... You'll get on. Yeah, no, but I was in L.A., you know. I was like, oh, here right, I am. right, right. Well, you have to, you should let them, you have to let them know way in advance. Ah, okay. Yeah. I mean, like a few days at least. You I did, show I up did. Start, hey, I did. Hey, Joe, you home? <laughs> I did. I, on, like, Saturday, I said, uh, how about Tuesday? I didn't hear back. Oh, well, you didn't. No, I didn't. I did. I know. I, I screwed it up. I did it wrong. I got some BBC press for us, though. The what? Yeah, I got some BBC press for us. All right. No, it was the, the uh, BBC called me and said, yeah, we wanted to, I don't know, some really bogus thing about, did I guess. Did you get a plug in? Yes. In yes. Yeah. Flipboard was doing, a, yeah, I got it here. Hold on a second. Uh, Flipboard did a deal with like SoundCloud or something. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. And I was basically like, well, I thought I did pretty good, actually. Uh, where is it? Uh, Flipboard starts integrating. Here we go. Uh, it was the number one, uh, uh, it was on the homepage of the BBC. Uh, let's see. Uh, mm, Mr. Curry, blah, 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 blah. It's a win for consumers without a doubt, Mr. Curry noted. You now have a very interesting model which surpasses the traditional media organizations are doing, which I didn't say, of course. But he questions the business angle. I don't know where the money comes from yet, other than a typical advertising play. And then I go on to slam Spotify and, uh, <laughs> yeah, here's a Spotify or Pandora or any music service. It's apples to oranges, Mr. Curry added. Both have yet to prove their model actually works. Right now, everyone's losing money. And then here it comes. Mr. Curry co-hosts his own podcast, No Agenda, with technology pundit John... I didn't say that. Technology pundit John C. Dvorak. The show is 100% listener-funded and is profitable, despite there being no ads, Mr. Curry says. Of course, one dollar is not... Yeah, we make it profitable with our overhead. <laughs> yeah. We but have it no, is profitable. It's profitable. So I thought that sounded pretty good. 
Yeah. Of course, they didn't put a link to No Agenda. That's, oh, I hate well, that. Well, they just put No Agenda. Did they say the name? Yeah, it said, yeah, uh, No Agenda. Okay, well, then people could Google it. We got nine pages of returns. We, you know, some, unless they're idiots, they, they should be able to find it. Although, well, you know, you run, still run into people that will ask you the dumbest questions that you just, <laughs> all they have to do is type it into Google, and they won't do it. They just they don't think to do that. There are people that do not think to use Google. Really? You haven't noticed this? Um, Apparently not. No, I think, well, yeah, maybe. People always say, how do I find it? <laughs> That's what they always, how do I find this thing? Do you type uh, it in? Type in no, no agenda into Google. Oh. Although, you know, Google changed their algorithms. And um, on the first page of the no agenda results at the bottom, we've got... Uh, oh, we have a, a lurker. Yeah, we've got no... Beanie. Oh, we got to get our guy back on this. Let's yeah, check no this beanie out. agenda against Oshimol. It's like some African dude. No agenda. But then page two, we're back. The show. Oh, my God. Also, There's no Binny agenda. No Binny. No get, Binny agenda. Get him. Oh, she a mobile hole. Get him. Get a mobile hole off of our page. Omojo is the special advisor to Governor Adams Omeholsha hole. An arts. What is this guy doing here? Get off our page. I don't know. Someone SEO'd him. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Special advisor to Governor Adams, Osimola Hole. It's on Vanguard. Vanguard. Vanguard is a weird web address. It's not even spelled. It's not even Vanguard.com. How is that it's possible? Vanguard, N-G-R.com. Uh, this, this, it's like a newspaper. Yeah, this has got to be one of those big PR companies doing SEO. Yeah, they, somebody screwed with us and here. They, and they suckered. This is how we lost the top thing for a while. They suckered this, some, this some African nation into SEOing their guy. That's how it works. Hmm. Yeah, it's not even like it's not even. A, this isn't even American. <laughs> Get off of our Google site, you. You're not even American. <laughs> Stop that, you. <laughs> anyway, I uh, despite the low turnout, uh, I did some work, man. Yeah, well, you got anything good? I got one thing at least that's particularly interesting to me. Oh, good. Let's hear uh, it. Let's hear it. That, it, well, you might as well bring it up right away because it, it kind of does relate to the non-American guy. So uh, one of the uh, big news items this last week was the guy at Facebook who's going to renounce his American citizenship. He, he never, you know, it was a Brazilian came yeah. here, got an American citizen, made a billion dollars. But he's been living in Singapore and he doesn't really want to. Yeah. Being American, but everybody, all the pundits and everybody, you see it all over on, especially on yeah. Twitter. Oh, he's un-American. He's an <laughs> idiot. He's, how, how can anyone do such a thing? So I have a uh, a friend, associate correspondent who had done gone through this process. He was he's worth about a half a billion dollars. Oh, this is the guy that uh, kind of yeah, had. We can't. I'm not going to say <laughs> he had to do it. <laughs> so uh, he didn't have to do it. But he, and you I, complain I said, about my friend, the porn said, producer. I sent him a note about this guy. He says, and this is interesting. First of, before we go into this, I want you to go to Wikipedia and look up FACTA. FACTA? Yeah, FACTA. F-A-C-T-A? Yeah, FACTA. Okay. The Fair... Uh, the Fair and Accurate was, Credit Transaction Act. Yeah. Do you see anything in there that looks remotely onerous? Uh, well, it's, it's, it's supposed to protect. It's just like the Child Protection Act. It's going to protect the public from for fair transactions, right? Yeah. Let me read uh, the note. 
So it's a little long, but it's interesting. I mean, you're, you're asking me to, to, to analyze a whole, an entire wiki page in three it's, seconds. It's, it's, there's nothing there. I, right. I just Let me tell you in advance. All right. All right. As I see it, the main reason the number of renunciations are exploding is not due to any desire to avoid taxation, but rather the fact that the so-called FACTA law has made it almost impossible for U.S. citizens or green card holders abroad to live their lives. Oh. The reporting requirements imposed on banks and other financial institutions for routine bill-paying accounts opened by U.S. citizens are estimated to be in the thousands of dollars per year, and those institutions have responded by simply refusing to open accounts for U.S. nationals and, in some case, preemptively closing accounts opened that's, years ago. That's true. That's true. You can't have that anymore. That's true. Now, suppose you're, by the way, it's not, none of this is on the wiki page. Now, suppose you're a U.S. citizen and a foreign assignment on a branch manager or a branch manager, a European subsidiary. If you cannot open a local bank account, it's extremely difficult to receive your salary, pay bills, or pay your tax obligations to the local authorities. Even worse, some U.S. banks have now taken the step of refusing to open or maintain accounts of U.S. citizens with foreign addresses. In this environment, you can find yourself unbanked. Wow. That's word I like. Unbanked. Unbanked. Effectively a financial pariah simply because you carry the wrong passport. Now, people on a foreign assignment who intend to return to the U.S., when it's done, may put up with this somehow, although I expect it to be increasingly difficult to find candidates to take any of those positions overseas and once they understand the difficulties. Those who have permanently established themselves in other countries, severed, severed all ties with the U.S., bought property, in some cases married, and obtained their, this other citizen in their new domicile. If they have no intention of returning to the U.S., the burden of maintaining U.S. citizen is increasingly difficult to justify. You know, I, you if know, you're a U.S. I had, I had, well, I had part of this problem. Remember what happened to me? Yeah. Is I was over there. And, uh, you know, I, I'd left the country in at the end of 1999, lived abroad. And then in 2005, I started showing up uh, because of the Mevio payroll. And then the IRS came into the office with their guns and said, we've been looking for you. And, it's, and I said, another case of idiots who can't use Google. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't hiding or anything. And then I, you know, I, what did I, I spent like, well, this is when I still had money, but I spent tens and tens of thousands of dollars proving that I hadn't lived in America and I did not have any liability because I couldn't find my report because you have to report every year and report how much you own in foreign companies if you have a bank account I mean it was very uh, uh, uh it was not a fun time well he goes on to say it could cost you three thousand dollars a year if you when you're overseas to for the to, to prepare your U.S. tax return, yeah. and if they should fail to file one of the disclosures for, say, the account you keep at the post office to pay for your stamps and train tickets, you can be sought for frightful penalties, penalties and wind yeah. up. Sorry? Yeah, penalties. Yeah, that, that's what they were yeah. hammering on me. I had the same thing. If you thing. come back to the U.S., they'll throw you in the green room and they maybe arrest you. Th this is very close to what happened to me. It is well, true. It's apparently gotten worse. Mm, yeah, no, with and the he, bank he, things. He, this yeah. letter goes on and on, but he finishes his, it with, if he I'd say anybody who believes that the U.S. still offers the best freedom and opportunity in the world today needs to get out more. Well, now, well, okay. Now, along with that, there's a bunch of websites, because I said, what is this? I said, this is amazing, because it doesn't indicate any of this on the wiki page. But you can, if you, I found a Canadian site. That talks about the the fact the laws. It's uh, called Sovereign Investor. 
The FACTA law applies to every conceivable type of offshore account or investment and, in effect, blackmails foreign banks and financial companies trying to force them for the first time to identify their American customers to the IRS regardless mm-hmm. of existing financial privacy laws in other countries. They're just doing it by saying, look, we're not going to do – says essentially by the time the requirements fully take effect in January 2013, every foreign financial institution must enter into an information-sharing agreement with the IRS. Those that don't will affect – Effectively be barred from accessing U.S. markets. Yeah, because you know what? Where I, where I think this stems from is the uh, screw the rich people who have their money uh, offshore. It can only be rich people that are doing that. Where of course there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of expats who are you yeah, know, working for just working. American companies yeah. overseas. Yeah, and by the way, getting paid in dollars, which is not that advantageous. Although these days it's getting better. Although it, it tends to it tends to be uh, by agreement, they can be paid locally or in dollars. I've got no a lot of guys who've worked overseas and they make deals. Not if not not me. Let's put it that way. It okay, well, <laughs> I was hurting. Anyway, yeah? yeah. So no, I mean the whole thing is bullcrap. So this crap. guy, this guy who's living in Singapore, doing all his business there, he has to renounce his citizenship. He's called a douchebag for doing it, but he's forced to do it from the way the way I read all his other documentation yeah. and the guy who knows. Yeah. Now, but it's, you know, what's going on right now is, uh, and I don't know if you've noticed. Uh, it's what Ron Paul said. The fence is designed to keep, keep us people in. in. Yeah. But uh, just regarding Facebook briefly, I mean, there are so many hit jobs. Go- I can't believe that no one is reporting on the coverage of the Facebook <laughs> IPO. This. Yeah. Th- this is what's interesting. Is I know. Isn't it weird? You've got all the all the mainstream publications just saying, well, that advertising thing don't work. And of course, we know it doesn't work. We know display advertising is bogative. Duh. But now they're all coming out. They're trying to make them look bad. GM pulls their advertising. Um, it's like, uh, yeah, by coincidence. Yeah. Yeah. How did that happen? And they didn't even spend that much. You know, they were spending, what, maybe $3 million a year or something. And I remember, Chrysler used to be my client. I built Chrysler.com uh, back in the day and, and Dodge.com and uh, I think, yeah, those two. And we know that it doesn't work. The way people, the way advertising for automobiles works is you see the flashy ad and then it's like your local dealer with his deal. That's how, that's how people buy cars. They don't look at a car and go, wow, I need that. Some, just some ad on some banner. No. So, yeah. Yeah. It's this this whole thing. And, and and that may even be some kind of pricing scam in itself. You know, to, to get the pricing numbers down. I mean, maybe the, the underwriters are happy. Yeah. Oh, no, man. We got a lot of pricing. So tonight is pricing. If you don't know how an IPO works, um, that'll be the number that, it, that the share opens at on the stock market. And uh, the lower it is. Uh, with a popular IPO, the more money the underwriters make. So it's very possible that these guys set it all up just to, you know, hey, hey, GM, guess what? Man? Why don't you pull your advertising so we can get, get go at the bottom range of the band, as they call it, and come out really low? Because, of course, it's going to be a popular IPO because people are idiots. All the dentists and doctors. Oh, yeah. No, and- I've, I've, my writing about this has always said this is going to be a very popular IPO because you're right. It's the dentists. The people who use Facebook are going to be the investors. Yeah, they think it's valuable. And yeah. I love it. I think, you know, the bigger the blow up of this IPO, the better, because eventually people will realize it's just the Internet. It's just a dumb Internet interface. It's nothing special. 
You know, no one's ever made any big money off of people sharing stuff. I got a like. (laughs) What are what are what's the value of the like? Well, nothing. (laughs) Duh. Get a thumbs up like. Where were these incredibly smart advertisers and marketers when they when the whole idea came out of of paying for likes? (laughs) Stupid. Paying for likes. Stupid. Idiotic. Stupid. It really is idiotic. But it will. I'm hoping it's a big success because it will boost the economy locally. <laughs> no, nah, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. This is this is the. I think it will be. I think it's oh, going no, oh, no. to come out. I think it's going to go up at least thirty percent on the opening. Sure. I think you're right. Down to writer is going to make a shitload of money, and then I think it's just going to keep climbing until it kind of levels off, and then it'll collapse. Mm. But if these guys are smart. They'll take their. They'll do what all these dot com guys have done over the years. They get a caller. They, no, they get a car, they buy a ha- couple of houses, and the way they do it is they go, uh, they take their lump of, you know, they say, look at the stock market, they take their lump of stock, they take it to the bank, say, I want to borrow against yeah, this. Yeah, a collar, that's what I said, the collar. Well, no, this is borrowing against, this is different than a collar. They're oh. not going to sell it. Mm. These guys don't know how to even get a collar. They're, they're very do- difficult to do, and you have to know somebody that can do them. All right. So it's not, it's not going to happen. No, so you just pledge some shares, and then you get a, a loan against You use it, it as collateral. Yeah. The shares are worth so much, the bank looks at that and says, okay, we're stupid, we'll give you some money. Ooh. And they loan you the money, you buy a car and a house, or two houses, and then the stock falls through the floor, and you, you're broke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, Perfect. That's what happened in 99. I ran into a number of guys who are worth $100 million one day. And because of the stupid way they handled their money, they were literally broke. broke. Yeah, broke. Oh, I know lots of guys. Uh, by the way, my buddy in, in Malibu, not one of them. You can always make money in the porn business if you have any chops. You can go do that and give up on the show, and then you're going to be, and then you're pretty soon you'll be walking around with the open shirt and have the, <laughs> the chains. chains. <laughs> You know, you can look like a douchebag. Hold on a second. Let me just consider that for a moment. I Mm. I mean, I think you could go for it. I mean, no one's going (laughs) to see it that much different. Oh, boy. Well, anyway, I did some value for value uh, work today. Um, And we'll wait until we've uh, thanked some of our producers because... uh, uh, I, I I didn't know this was going to happen. It kind of it came at me by surprise. But just when we had figured out the NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act, uh, it turns out that was the National Defense Authorization Act 2012. Already now in the House, the National Defense Authorization Act 2013. Yeah. So there's a whole new document. Yeah, isn't that funny? And I read it. Oh. <laughs> you you won't believe it. Okay, I'm looking forward to that. But I do as a teaser, I do have a clip kind of about it. Oh, okay. What's this you got? guy Adam Smith? Mm-hmm. Um what's the thing? Where is my Adam Smith, the lone voice, he's a Democrat with the name Adam Smith, which has got to be hilarious when you're in college. Yeah. Uh was bitching about the NDAA, the, the parts that are onerous that take away our rights, and he just makes this comment, thinking it's actually going to come up for an actual debate and things. And things, I mean, it just like sounds like the optimistic, uh, you know, uh, town idiot. But you can play it. That we've developed over the course of 230 years is an enormous step for this Congress to take. So we have to ask ourselves the question: Is it necessary? It clearly is not. We have arrested 
prosecuted, stopped countless terrorist attacks over the course of the last eight years. Over 400 terrorists arrested, convicted, and imprisoned in this country. From Abdul Muttalib, who was the underwear bomber in Detroit in December of 2008. He was stopped, arrested, interrogated, prosecuted, convicted, and sentenced to life in prison. We have a justice system and a law enforcement system in this country that is more than adequate to meet the threat. We do not have to undermine the Constitution to do that. That will be the core of the argument. I'll look forward to those who are opposed to it arguing why that doesn't keep us safe. I think it'll be a great debate. I'll urge people to vote for it. Um, but I hope we'll have that, that public debate on the floor tomorrow. It's an incredibly important issue, no matter which side of it you're on. Yeah. Well, so that's going on now. Yes. And of course, you, we know it's going to happen. This guy's yeah. nuts. <laughs> do you, do you want to... Let's thank, let's thank our producers and then right. let me just run through this document because there's a couple of gems in here that uh, that uh, warrant discussion. <laughs> okay. We do have two executive producers and two associate executive producers for today's show, 409. Uh, I'm surprised somebody hasn't donated 409. That would used to be the 409er the, to be uh, 409. Correct. Well, it's also the, the 409 uh, cubic inch engine that was in the uh, Chevy. There's the 409 the uh, cleaning giddy, spray. Giddy up, giddy up my 409. Yeah, 409 cleaning spray. Right. Yeah. Sir Robert Goshko in uh, uh, Sherwood Park, Alberta, came in before 2007, which is a vote for the slide whistle also. In the morning, John and Adam, uh, from Gitmo Nation, back bacon, eh? <laughs> eh? With this donation, I'll complete my wife's 12-12-12 damehood, and with my 11-11-11 knighthood, I guess that makes us a 23-23-23 family. Hey! 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 I also threw in my seven cents from the pro slide whistle side. If it feels good, do it. It's a long weekend up here, and I'll be busy drinking at the lake and celebrating Queen Victoria's birthday. Do we have a holiday coming up this weekend? But I didn't know we were celebrating Queen Victoria's <laughs> birthday down here. Well, we are now. Can I get a war on chicken huntsman karma combo for the good weather? <laughs> Hopefully there'll be more donors than boners out this weekend. Let me give it a try. <laughs> the war on chicken. You've got karma. Mm. A winner. <laughs> Philip Meeson in Welshpool Powis. <laughs> House. Uh, 333-33. I'm donating the money so I can hear John butcher the pronunciation of Powis. He gets my name right, which many do not, but fails to pronounce Powis. English spelling pronounced Powis as in hiss. Or piss. Keep up the great deconstruction of the lame stream. Keep out of light aircraft and duck if you hear helicopters. <laughs> okay. Dame Janice Kang, 25007. I should look her up on email. I'll, I'll do that and we'll talk, give her, if she has a, a message, we'll run it at the break. Uh, and Sir Dirk Modro in Western Australia, 201. Um, my donation's late. Actually, I tried to donate in the last three weeks, but I've failed. I'm humbly shamed as Black Knight has failed in his mission to spread the love or dollars. I listened to many shows before I donated drunk, and I guess I am the godfather of drunk donations. My hmm. siblings make me proud of my small offering. A sh- oh, he is drunk while he's writing this. <laughs> Let me try to read it. Do the drunk the way voice. It's written. It works better that way. Uh, it made me proud of my small <laughs> offering a shabesby. 
<laughs> Work has been bad of late. I got to go ATO equals IRS get off my back. In three weeks, I'm almost damn ready to give all the figures I'm earning about 60% of what I can get by the need to get by right now for the last four months. Uh, so you can imagine when the Greeks greeted me, my few remaining shares <laughs> became homophobic and I had major shrinkage. Resources low, but I figure it's love and sharing when I drive 300 kilometers from my job on Sunday. I will hear you. It's time. The Godfather Black Knight of his tits must donate. People may laugh donating drunk is no joke and should not be tried by anyone. It takes 90% of any bootle of 750 milliliter, 40% strength for me creating the danger is getting we. I want to play left for dead now. Come on, come on, this is the last sentence. <laughs> it says, I tick snoor. <laughs> wow. Anyway. Let me give him a so karma. Let me just, let me just give him a karma. Let me give him a karma. Yeah, he You've needs got it. karma. <laughs> Nikki and I both agree that when you read the drunk donations, that's when they really come to life. <laughs> you know, and I can't get a job as an actor. No. no or as a hooker. For that matter. Well, that's, that's, yeah, it goes without saying. By the way, I don't feel all that bad. Uh, you know, NPR, it was, uh, it was pretty funny. Uh, headline in the Washington Post. You know, I'll read it to you. NPR, you ready for it? Yeah. NPR sees sharp downturn in advertising revenue. All right. Leading to talk of cuts. <laughs> So, uh, Nell. The scam is over. Yeah, Knell, or Nell. That's the guy who used to do Sesame Street. He's the new CEO. He had a meeting with the NPR employees, and uh, he almost said that they would have to cut some staff, uh, but he didn't go quite that far. And, uh, you know, what, why, are they, why do they face higher expenses this year? Because they're, they have to cover the Olympics in London. That's bogative bullcrap. NP- what? NPR doesn't have to cover the Olympics in London. They have to cover the Olympics. They can send some reporter, a stringer. Not even that. I mean, this. this uh, yeah, who cares? Yeah, what does it got to do with the public good? It's a huge commercial organization. Right. Yeah, it shouldn't even be covered at all. So, now I've Let more. NBC have it. Of, uh, is it NBC or ABC who has it this year? It's NBC. Uh, they anyway. always have it. Anyway, uh,. So we do appreciate all the help we can get, but obviously we'd like to have a little more value for what we're putting into this. Otherwise, we'll just have to turn to a life of porn. Dvorak.org slash N-A. And you can also go to channeldvorak.com slash N-A. Dvorak, I'm sorry, yeah, the noagendashow.com and noagendanation.com. And there's also uh, in the PR segment, uh, it doesn't really work on audio, unfortunately. Uh, There's a video of... um, See, uh, little uh, little no agenda producer Damien, and it's really it's really cute. I tweeted it the other day, um, and his dad videoed him while he's so you hear no agenda playing in the background with the whole uh, shut up slave bit, and you see the kid listening to it, and, he, and he's like two or maybe shit. three, and then all of a sudden, well, hey, you know, I'll play it, see if you can get the idea. So he's listening to the to that segment, and then all of a sudden he starts singing along with it here, and let's see if we can. Uh, I'll, I'll crank it up to see if you can actually hear it. Hold on. Always our formula, which you need to go out and propagate. Oops. Is that flash crashing again? Here we go. Our formula is this. We go out, we 
hit people in the mouth. though and he's so yeah. cute he's so cute it's when he catchy do- i'm telling you let me just indoctrinate the kids for a second hold on hey kids go out and propagate the formula it's real Our simple is this we go out we hit people in the mouth <laughs> get ready kids Whoa. sing along with your uncle adam Whoa. and john come on say it now Little Damien even had the whole shut up slave thing right. <laughs> uh, beautiful, 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 beautiful. America's youth. <laughs> shut up. Slave. Shut up, slave. Americans. They get used to it. <laughs> All right. You want to do NDAA uh, part two? Yeah, go. All right. Uh, so this is uh, House Resolution 4310. And this, of course, is to authorize appropriations for fiscal year 2013 for military activities, Department of Defense. And uh, just so you know, in the news, what they're talking about, and this is how uh, all the good stuff is being covered up. uh, President Obama, the White House has already threatened to veto the $642 billion 2013 defense authorization bill uh, passed last week by the House Armed Services Committee. That doesn't mean it's passed the House, but it came out of committee. Because it spends too much on national security. So, you know, they're talking about $15 billion over five years. So it's total cover-up of the, of the actual issues. Uh, so this act, of course, may be cited as the National Defense Authorization Act for fiscal year 2013. A couple of highlights. Uh, first of all, we're going to get a uh, missile defense site on the East Coast which shall be operational no, by no later than December 31st, 2015. I thought that was kind of nice. Um, and a, new, a new entry in Section 222, development of advanced kill vehicle. Sounds what? nice. Yeah. The adv- Robocop? Well, um, let me see what it is. It's, this is part of the, uh, uh, of the East Coast missile defense system is the advanced kill vehicle. And Cong- uh, defense shall provide the new advanced kill vehicle on the standard missile three-block IIB interceptor, and it shall have the capability of being used for ground-based mid-course defense programs. And, of course, along that, a description of the technology of and concept behind applying the former multiple-kill vehicle concept to the new vehicle. <laughs> I just like vehicle. I, had, I don't know. I just like the idea of having one. I like it too. It, yeah, sounds, it cool. sounds good, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Then we have, and, and this is one of my favorites. Um, <clears throat> we will have a report no later than 180 days after the enactment of this act on new directed energy weapons. Woot! 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 I love me some directed energy weapons. So uh, we need thorough assessments on the maturity of high-energy laser, high-power microwave, and millimeter-wave non-lethal technologies. <laughs> that, yeah, the ones they hit you with at the airport. That's the body scanner, exactly. Yeah. M- millimeter-wave non-lethal technologies, yeah, but they will fry you. Apparently, uh, I mean, how does that work? 
the millimeter wave is not dangerous unless they turn it up enough? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, missions for which directed energy weapons could be used to substantially enhance the current and planned capabilities of the U.S. military. Potential for new directed energy systems to reduce requirements for expendable air and missile defense weapons. This is all very, very cool. And um, here it is. We need to have a summary of actions that, that the secretary is taking to ensure that our military will be the global leader in directed energy capabilities. In light of this, we'll have... Uh, <laughs> Jeez. Check it out. Check it out, this dude. This guy's a gun nuts. That's awesome. We'll have... Yeah, the budget has gone up. And, and of even course it's gone Obama up. Obama wanted for the military is up by $8 billion. Oh, yeah. So it's in, unbelievable. I thought we were supposed to be cutting no, back here. No, no, no. no. Spend more. So uh, in light of the suitability of surface ships to support a solid-state laser weapon, and the Department of Navy should uh, be designated as the lead service for fielding a 100 to 200-kilowatt-class laser to defend surface ships against unmanned aircraft, cruise missile, and fast-attack craft threats. Can you imagine getting fried with that? 100 to 200-kilowatt laser? Yeah, just cut you right in half. But in addition to that... Uh, the Air Force uh, will be designated as the lead service for integrating high-power microwave weapons on small air vehicles, including unmanned aircraft. Whoa. We're going to have lasers on the drones. Oh, zing. it's going to be fa- it's going to be a bonanza. Oh, it was an accident. I'm, I'm sorry, sorry, your house caught on I'm fire. I'm so sorry, sir. Okay, uh, then we have uh, counter space programs. I've always told you that we're doing stuff in space. Yeah, and, you've always said this. And now they're just funding. And by the it. way, I'm looking at this this thing, this multiple kill vehicle. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a sat it's a it's like a it's like something that you jump on the it's on the end of the missile. It gets fired off and it shoots out all kinds of weird shit. It's like the it's like that Star Wars. It's like one of those movies. It's like it like ejaculates all kind of stuff. Just shoots all kinds of stuff all over. Apparently, nice. Uh, Military activities in cyberspace. Uh, Congress affirms that the Secretary of Defense is authorized to conduct military activities in cyberspace. The authority as described will be, uh, A, includes the authority to carry out a clandestine operation in cyberspace. This is kind of new. It's not really, but it's new that they codified it. Yeah, they codified it. And in support of the military operation pursuant to the authorization of use of military force against a target located outside of the United States. So they can we kind of knew this. They can use force to defend against a cyber attack. So if you're if you're hacking, then they take that uh, laser (laughs) on the drone and cut your house in half. Right. You exactly. And here, of course, is the uh, important bit. Section 1031. Counterterrorism findings on detention pursuant to the authorization for use of military force enacted in 2001. So this is um, the explanation and recodification of the uh, indefinite detention as codified in the NDA 2012, uh, as well as being able to uh, drone you as an American citizen. And what they've done, John, and I won't go into all the details, uh, but they have... Um, they've brought in all these court cases, including Hamdi v. Rumsfeld, where the uh, authorization for use of military force authorized the president to detain certain individuals, including a United States citizen captured in Afghanistan. 
So th- this is a whole legal document that says if you had any doubt that we have the right to grab you and to detain you without uh, due process, then here is the explanation. And it comes from 2004. This is the Hamdi v. Rum- Rumsfeld case uh, where the... Uh, blah, 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 uh, until the end of hostilities. So uh, shouldn't be never. Yes, exactly. We understand Congress grant of authority for the use of necessary and appropriate force to include the authority to detain for the duration of the relevant conflict. And our understanding is based on longstanding law of war principles. So this is Congress saying it's okay. An enemy combatant must receive notice of the factual basis for his classification as an enemy combatant and a fair opportunity to rebut the government's factual assertions before a... Before or after being droned. No, no. (laughs) But before a neutral decision maker. This is new. Oh, yeah. So that's not a judge. Who it's might a, that be? Uh, it's a decision maker. A neutral decision maker. Was he got an MBA from Harvard? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, here we go. Um, in 2011, with the enactment of the National Defense Authorization Act for fiscal year 2012, Congress and the President affirmed the authority of the armed forces of the United States to detain pursuant to the uh, AUMF, that's the authorized use of military force, a person who planned authorized, committed, or aided the terrorist attacks that occurred on September 11, 2001, or harbored those responsible for the attacks, or a person who was a part of the substantially supported Al-Qaeda, the Taliban, or associated forces that are engaged in hostilities against the United States or its coalition partners, including any person who has committed a belligerent act or has directly supported such hostilities in aid of enemy forces. So that is basically saying this is what we agree to, the interpretation of the detention authority in the uh, in the uh, NDAA for 2012 is the same as the interpretation used by the Obama administration in its legal filings in federal court, and by the way, is nearly identical to the interpretation used by the Bush administration. So this is how they're going to try and get away, uh, get around Republicans fighting against it. And there was one new term in here. That works. Yeah, there was one new term in here. Let me just find it because that was the one that kind of caught my eye. Hold on a second. Um, Here we go. Findings regarding habeas corpus rights. So this is your right to due process. Congress, well, it's, the, it's a body of evidence. You write to, to prove that you did anything. I mean, does it, did a crime exist? Did it happen? Well, it, um, hold on. I have a new term. Um, it transpires that in Article 1, Section... You like that? That's my new term for, as it turns out, it transpires? No, it's terrible. Okay. As it turns out, yeah. Congress finds the following. Article 1, Section 9 of the Constitution states... The privilege of the writ of habeas corpus shall not be suspended unless when in cases of rebellion or invasion, the public safety may require it. So they're pulling the Article 1, Section 9 card on this whole deal. So it's it's defined as a rebellion when you uh, send... uh, uh, Oh, I don't know what you could even do, but it's probably a million different things. It would say you uh, do a blog post saying, you know, I don't, I think that was unfair what they did to that Al Qaeda guy. You are a rebel, so you're now a rebel, defiant by definition, and then they can just grab you. 
Either that or invasion, and I, I guess you can say that, yeah, we've been completely invaded by uh, terrorists all over the place. Oh, according to them, there's one under every bed. Yeah. It's just like it was in the 50s with the communists, by the way. So I think this is a genius move. And, and you know, what defines a case of rebellion? <laughs> Apparently anything. No, but seriously, this is, this is important because this is what it comes down to. It'll be very, it'll be broad, it'll be broad brush strokes. And, you know, the, as far as I can tell, Matt Drudge is in rebellion. Yeah, well, you should go pick him up. <laughs> First, they came for the Drudge Report. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, let's just look. Let's see if the Book of Knowledge has anything. Case of rebellion. Definition. What is the definition of rebellion? Mm. Okay. Well, I mean, most or, teenagers or, or, in this country are rebellious. Descent from. Here it is. Descent from an accepted moral code or convention of behavior or dress. Hey, if you got your underwear hanging out, we're going to drone you. <laughs> oh, boy. This is starting to shape up then, if they're going to do that. Anyway, uh, the marked up PDF of uh, House Resolution 4310, you can find it the show notes at 409er.nashownotes.com. And uh, I hope you enjoy reading about uh, the space weapons, the cyberspace and, of course, the fact that habeas corpus is now suspended. And I think we should actually see a legal briefing. And the president should just say it. Habeas corpus is suspended due to cases of rebellion. Yeah, he hasn't got the guts to say that. But he does have the guts to do this new executive order, which I guess you looked oh, over. Oh, the, the Yemen executive order? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have a theory on that. Well, my only th- I read it over and I said, well, you can explain what it is. But I was thinking it's just a... A cheap way to keep people from sending money back home if they happen to have Yemeni's parents. Yeah, it's well, it's another money stealing operation. Um, but you know, uh, there was an there was another attack. There's this great blog called uh, Tracking Energy Attacks, which is like has my name written all over it. Um, and in the past year, they've had I think 17 attacks. All these attacks in Yemen are on uh, gas pipelines and the liquid natural gas uh, refineries or storage tanks. And this has now resulted, uh, according to, um, I think, Boston.com, in a drop in supplies of liquefied natural gas in the Boston area. So I'm thinking, is it possible that all of this Yemen droning and and all of that that's going on and the pipelines continuously being blown up is really just a way to get the price of gas up so that they can finally you know make some money off of all this stuff. Yeah, that's always a possibility. I think the gas price or the oil prices are dropping like a rock, so I, I don't. I think that game is over. Well, there may be maybe they can crank it back up, but. Well, maybe well, maybe this will help you with a clue. Um, I don't know anything about this, and you probably do, so listen to this report. Helium is in short supply tonight, but there's more at risk than keeping your balloons afloat. Helium is used in MRI scans, fiber optic cables, and wind turbines. Because of that, the U.S. Senate is now considering changes to the U.S. helium reserve. Now, before I play the rest of this report, what is up with helium? Well, I mean, for years we were the... Essentially, the world, you know, some people have rare earths. We have helium. Mm-hmm. We have uh, the most helium, I think, of any country. 
And uh, I guess we've been using it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in 2010, there was a report that said we still have plenty of supply for the next 25 years. Um, Do you know what the other two countries are that provide helium? No, I don't. Russia and Qatar. Oh, really? Qatar? Yeah, I thought that was interesting. That's weird. So um, is helium a byproduct or is it discovered as a part of uh, oil or gas discovery? I think it's part of a uh, when you when you drill a well. I think sometimes helium comes out. Uh, I don't know. I didn't, but I didn't know. It, but I'm going to look it up. Yeah, uh, on the book of knowledge. I had no idea that it was necessary for MRIs and. Oh, and, it's got uh, a lot of uses. So of course, besides balloons, but balloons is the best use. Well, so here's listen to the rest of this report. So of course, you're know, like, wow. MRIs, I had no idea. And, of course, they're going to go interview a balloon guy. <laughs> Congress set low helium prices back in 1996, and that's what created the shortage. Our Washington, D.C. Bureau spoke to a balloon supplier who saw costs rise 45% in the past month. Now, what do you think the solution is for a balloon supplier uh, who can no longer afford helium? Well, they could use hydrogen. No, 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 it's better than that. I okay. uh, hope that uh, Congress can do something to help uh, free up some of that uh, healing that is available for this industry because it's going to reflect on a lot of businesses and hurt them very badly. He said the company is looking into alternatives like suspending balloons from the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> He's a genius. The guy's a genius. <laughs> I know. Hey, boss. String, now we have a string shortage. Hey, boss, I got an idea. Let's just hang him from the ceiling. It'll be almost the same thing. Helium is extracted commercially by a low temperature separation process and is extracted from natural gas in areas where you have ah. a, a decomposition of thorium and uranium uh, somehow. So d- d- decaying. And it's called a fractional distillation. You can get it. And we have so much natural gas in this country, which d- kind of belies the the shortage because, you know, as long as they keep right. fracking and finding more gas, there should be more helium. They just probably yeah. don't process all of it. Ah, so you can frack for it, huh? Hmm. I, I mean, it's just it, it's in natural gas. The radiogenic helium is trapped with natural gas. Okay, so it's, it is it it could be a natural gas play somehow. We need maybe. more balloons. No, I know. I have a bottle. Of, I always keep a bottle of helium in the house, <laughs> and a big one, big bottle. Really? I keep two gases in the house. I keep helium and argon. Ar- and argon. The argon. You have to be a little more careful. What's with. argon? Argon is a uh, is like nitrogen. It's, a, it's another neutral gas. It's a, it's inert. <laughs> well, but John, it's he- John, but it's- stop. What? I, I need to ask a very essential question. Yeah. Why do you have helium and argon in the house? Well, is- the helium, because we do have parties once in a while. We'd like to fill up the balloons. And occasionally, as amusement, yeah. we'll fill up a big garbage bag full of helium and launch it. Yeah. It's quite funny. The kids get a kick out of it. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, so we have some helium, I, I, but the I, I, argon... I'm familiar with the effect, yes. Yeah, it's very funny. The argon is used because it's uh, it's a uh, it's heavier than air, which is why you have to be careful And once in a while. It's just There's too much argon in the house. Yeah, you, have to, you can't you breathe. Have to put yourself on a couch. <laughs> By the way, if you were on uh, argon, put yourself on the couch and then kind of hang upside down and then exhale a lot to get that. Because if, if argon gets in your lungs, it kind of sits in there. So wait, are you just getting high at the house? Is that what no, you're no, doing? no. This is for... No, you won't get high on argon. 
you, but it's for sealing wine. If you have a big bottle of wine and you decided that you can't drink, you don't want to drink it, or oh. you, see, or you jerk in some helium. And by the way, Ridge Vineyards in uh, California uses, I'm so not helium, but argon. Ridge Vineyards uses argon instead of nitrogen. Most of the wineries, when they before they, they put the wine in, first they evacuate the bottle with nitrogen, blow the wine in, and then cork it. And there's like a little bit of nitrogen left. But that'll leach out. Oxygen will get in the wine. age. If it's argon, it's heavier than air, so it sits always sits on top of the liquid. It just sits there, and it protects it from oxygen. So, do you have an argon injection system as well? No, I don't need that. I just have this big thing. I turn it on, and shh, starts blowing argon, and I stick the bottle up against the hole, and then it fills it up. Oh, I know it sounds crazy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just a little. <laughs> Is but that legal? Argon, is that legal to have that? Argon costs about once you get the bottle and you because and once you get the bottle and you get the valves. The valves are like a hundred bucks. Do you have test tubes at home? <laughs> I bet you you do, don't you? The valves are like a hundred bucks, and once you get the valve and and the bottle, then you can just swap out the gas, and it doesn't cost that much. A bottle of helium's like I don't know twenty thirty bucks. Hmm. Fascinating the things you have at going home. up. Yeah, fascinating life. You got to find have. a gas place locally. It's like Saturday night at the Dvorak's. Hey kids, let's go to the gas let's place. Let's suck say, on hey, some helium and argo. Like get a big giant bottle of helium. Do you, can you sell me a, a a bottle? I need to buy the the container, which is the bottle, and you know the big <laughs> cylinder. And then I need to get a valve because all the valves are different for all the gases. Yes. Oh, I hate that when that happens. I hate it when my valve is wrong. <laughs> Anyway. You're, 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 you are an extraordinary man, John C. Dvorak. I thought everybody had a bottle of helium in the house. It's clippity clock. The message is clear. Just clippity clock. All right, who's clippity clop talking to this week? Here she comes with her hooves, the cloven one. Uh, clippity clop, clippity clop. Listen to those hooves. Well, we're delighted to welcome Minister Zarifi here. Uh, I had uh, a wonderful visit. Do you know who she's talking to? The new guy from France? No. Tajikistan. Tajikistan. The Tajikistan guy? Oh, what's up there? <laughs> Oil. <laughs> no, of course we know Tajikistan is all of... No, it's gas. Tajikistan yes. is all the natural gas. But what was interesting Should is... Really to get some, uh, some helium out of there. Tajik, Tajik, well, there you go. Tajikistan just had uh, an earthquake. A 5.7. And then I was like, you know, is it typical? Tajikistan has an earthquake every day. It's like in the four to oh, five range. Oh, that's where they're getting all the gas from. Yes. They're fracking the crap out of it. But listen, it's like so Probably this. contaminating everything. So May 12th, 5.7. April 30th, 4.0. April 30th, 4.0. April 27th, 4.6. 27th, 4.6. 27th, 5.0. 26th. 4.1. I mean, April 23rd, yeah, it's like 4.6. There's a place in Nevada that has this problem. The place is just, just it's shaking. <clears throat> it's just shaking the whole time. <clears throat> so anyway, so there must be some kind of deal. And uh, I guess we'll find out soon whenever Lucifer Clippity Clop is uh, hanging out with somebody. And, and the guy from Tajikistan. And what are we talking about? Let's hear. Uh, and uh, an opportunity to uh, meet uh, with the president and the government about a full range of issues. Uh, in our bilateral relationship as well as the regional issues. 
So I'm looking forward to uh, the conversation with the minister today where we can uh, review uh, the progress we're making in our dialogue uh, between our two countries and uh, explore other ways to deepen and broaden. You're such a lying sack of crap, Clinton. Bilateral issues to deepen and broaden. You're saying absolutely nothing when all we know, all we, you care about is getting that gas out of Tajikistan uh, to sell to India. Everyone knows it. And then I go look at the, the, you know, at the, at the State Department press conference. Not a single question. Not a single question about the meeting. Oh, yeah. Ugh. Our press is so phony. So phony. Unreal. Anyway, that's who, you know, you got to keep your eye on Clippity Clop because when she's talking to somebody, stuff happens. I thought it was the earthquake, but you know, it turns out that's just unrelated. So it's uh, you know, we're heating it up somewhere. Something somewhere we're, we're always something. heating it up. Mm-hmm. And I think, by the way, that the thing that Clinton's uh, or Clinton, Clinton, Obama, Obama's executive order about Yemen was a, essentially a, another declaration of war. Of course, it is the whole thing. We have boots on the ground. We we've got a combat team training in there. There's been no declaration many, of yeah, war. How many of these things are we going to continue to do? And why do we have such a, such a, so many of them all of well, a the sudden? Only, I mean, this has been hello, going on now. This is like we're just attacking everybody. Well, hello, we know the list. We need uh, Lebanon. Still hasn't happened. It was Yemen? Was Yemen on the list? Do you have that clip? Uh, I can listen to it. Uh, let's see. About ten days Wesley after nine eleven, I went through the Pentagon. And- yeah, this is Wesley Clark. Is it important? Let's tick off the list again because I keep forgetting. We should write the list down. Maybe I saw Secretary Rumsfeld and. And Deputy Secretary Wolfowitz, I went downstairs just to say hello to some of the people on the joint staff who had used, used to work for me. And one of the generals called me in. He said, sir, you got to come in. you got to come in and talk to me a second. I said, well, you're too busy. He said, no, no. He says, we've made the decision we're going to war with Iraq. This was on or about the 20th of September. Notice he says Iraq correctly, by the way. That's uh, of note. I said, we're going to say Iraq, yeah. war with Iraq. Why? He said... I don't know. He said, I guess they don't know what else to do. So uh, I said, well, did they find some information collect- connecting Saddam to Al-Qaeda? He said, no, no. He says, there's nothing new that way. They've just made the decision to go to war with Iraq. He said, I guess it's like we don't know what to do about terrorists, but we've got a good military and we can take down governments. And um, he said, I guess if... If the only tool you have is a hammer, every problem has to look like a nail. So I came back to see him a few weeks later, and by that time we were bombing in Afghanistan. I said, are we still going to war with Iraq? And he said, oh, it's worse than that. He said, he reached over on his desk, he picked up a piece of paper, and he said, I just, he said, I just got this down from upstairs, meaning the Secretary of Defense's office today, and he said, this is a memo that describes how we're going to take out seven countries in five years. Let's write them down, John. Will you write them down, please? Yeah, I'm writing them. Starting with Iraq and then Syria, Lebanon, yeah, Libya, Lebanon. Somalia, Sudan, and finishing off Iran. No, there's no Yemen on the list. No. Interesting. But Lebanon's on the list. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and that's, that's right now, it looks like that's going to bust up, bust up shortly. Yeah, that's all so we got them. Syria, Lebanon, Somalia, Sudan, Iran. Iraq. Iraq, and did he say Iran? I don't know. He said something that ends with Iran. 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 Yo, he said Iran. That's so, interesting. Oh, that didn't say the... He went Iran. He said he's still Ir. He did, Iran? Yeah, okay. He used the code. Yeah. 
Iran. You said Iran instead of Iran. Well, we're <clears throat> we're getting closer to Iran. Iran. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, uh, the the new the fantastic, highly rated. I'm only counting six. What did I miss? Syria, Lebanon, Somalia, Sudan, I- Iraq, and Iran. That's one, two, three, four, five, six. What's the seventh? What did I miss? I already I got rid of the clip already. Oh well. Hmm. Maybe someone in the chat room knows. <laughs> so um, <laughs> who cares? So uh, play the clip again someday. So before I get into the. Um, uh, into the report by uh, Aaron Burnett about Iran. Uh, yes, Iran. I'd like to read to you the latest uh, ratings numbers from CNN. <laughs> this is, you know, we had sweeps week. Oh, geez. You ready for this? Those poor bastards. <laughs> this is great. Uh, let's see. May I mention something before you do that? Because yeah. I know how these are going to come out. The irony here is that, is that, Murdoch, I watched this. There was a very good documentary on Rupert Murdoch. Very good. And it says apparently he was going, he was just one inch away from buying CNN. But Turner, the, you know, Turner, Ted Turner, the mm-hmm. grump, he, he thought it was a horrible idea to sell it to him. And he, and he made sure that the Time Warner deal went through. So Time Warner ended up with it. And that's when uh, Murdoch said, well, screw it. I'll just start my own cable network. He already had Fox on TV and uh, see what happens. Anyway, go on. I'll give you two ratings numbers. These are the primetime sweeps rating numbers from CNN. Anderson Pooper's AC 360. How many viewers do you think between 8 and 10 p.m.? Uh, I would say 400,000. <laughs> 90,000. What? Now, Pierce Moron tonight in the, so we're talking demo numbers here. So that's between 25 and 54. And there's really nothing else outside of that that even matters. How many viewers do you believe in the primetime sweeps week watched Pierce Moron tonight? Well, if AC360 was 90,000, I would have to say he has to be at 50. 39,000. Wow. <laughs> we have more listeners than that. Barely, but I think so. So all of a sudden, I'm not too worried about him calling uh, uh, What's-His-Face an MTV legend because no one heard it. Uh, well, 39,000 people did, but they probably were asleep. Yeah. Uh, Wait, so, more numbers? No, do you need it's that bad. doesn't matter. But, of course, they make 48 cents from each cable subscriber, so that's how they're making their money. Um. Aaron Burnett lays it on and listen carefully and then tell me what you saw on the screen when she brought us this report. Indications of possible nuclear weapons development. Indications like this picture from the Associated Press in today's Washington Post. Now, let me just explain exactly what you're looking at here because I looked at this and said, what is this something that could be in my backyard? It's a drawing of what's believed to be a nuclear explosion containment chamber hidden at a secret Iranian military base, perhaps near a site called Parchin that the government in Iran has refused weapons inspectors access to. Experts say a chamber like this is what you use to test a nuclear weapon and we talked to them, they confirmed that. Important to say though that this uh, this picture is not a picture that we have confirmed the authenticity of. So what do you think that picture was? Uh, well, it was obviously some sort of a... 
have no idea. It was it a drawing. Like... It was a drawing. It was of... a drawing. It was a drawing of like a big uh, circular drum. I in... would think it would be a photograph of something. No, that... she even says this is Somebody a drawing. Somebody draws something and then they a... claim that Iran's got it. A drawing, I tell you. <laughs> Didn't you hear her say it? And they got it. And they got it from the Associated Press. Indications of possible nuclear weapons development. Indications like this picture from the Associated Press in today's Washington Post. Listen. Post. Now, let me just explain exactly what you're looking at here, because I looked at this and said, "What is this? Something that could be in my backyard?" It's a drawing of what's believed to be. It's a drawing of what's believed to be. And she got it from Associated Press. Must be true. Unbelievable. It's hilarious. A drawing. Be very afraid. They've got drawings there in Iran. They got drawings. It's apparently if you 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 can't test one of these bombs without shaking every seismograph in the world, and it has a very distinctive look, and everyone knows what what happened. And it looks like a just a big oil drum with a door. Yes, (laughs) it's actually a barbecue. (laughs) No, it's a a mulching bin. It looked like more, you know, like one of those uh, compost bins. It's a compost bin. They found it outside. And, yeah. <laughs> compost bin. Uh, wow. I'll tell you one thing, though. That all, is pathetic. All the people that I met with in L.A., you know, some friends and stuff and hanging out. They're so oblivious. They have oh, no they have no idea boring. what's going on. They're like, hey, man, who, who you think you're going to vote for? We, we think we should vote for Obama because he'll be lenient on uh, the porn industry. <laughs> like, uh, that's your porn buddy. That, this is what happens to you if you get in that business. Yeah, the totally no <laughs> no touch with reality. So and and take it from me, Romney's not going to be any better for your business. But he's a crazy Mormon. Oh, okay. This is how people think in America. So doomed. No, no, we've we've lost it. We've lost it completely. So doomed. I, so you sent out. Um, you it wasn't sent, for this humor show we do. I don't know what. Yeah, <laughs> this, I don't know how people can get by without this entertainment. To this, show. this entertainment program. Uh, I, so, I, I did get a note from somebody saying, you know, it's so depressing to, to what you guys talk about, but the way you handle it is just at least we we come away with kind of a laugh about it. We get to laugh about of it. Of course, you got to laugh about it. Now I got, um, I'd say easily fifty emails. Um, all with varying points about our gay gate conversation and, and about rights and privileges. And, you know, uh, actually I, I got, um, one beautiful, um, PDF, which I've put in the show notes, uh, 409.nashownotes.com from, uh, Dr. Jones, PhD, JD. And uh, and he's he he took five pages and explains here it is an essay on rights, privileges and the problematics of marriage under American common law. It's a very thoughtful piece. He is a a judicial. He has a judicial degree. He's a Ph.D. uh, Dr. Jones. And he listens to our show. And I thought and he's he's marked up with links and he says, please post this because I think it's a a real, you know, uh, it's a legal perspective of what we're talking about. So have a look at that in the show notes. Uh, but then I got a lot of other interesting emails, and I'd like to share a couple of points from Sir Jim from uh, Boston. Now, we met Sir Jim uh, on our Hot Pockets tour, and he says, and uh, Sir Jim is uh, married. Uh, is he married? Can you get married in Massachusetts? Yeah, you can get married, right? 
Yeah, Massachusetts okay. is one of the places. Yeah. So he's, Ma- uh, and by the way, it's Massachusetts nuts. Yes, Massachusetts nuts. So he's uh, married to his uh, his husband, and he says here is what he wants is equal treatment under the law, and that that made some sense to me. He says the issue is, and I'll tell you why why it's so problematic. Is when I read this list, I'm like, oh, now I know why the government doesn't want to give you equal treatment under the law. Uh, some equal treatments under the law I would like to claim include. Filing federal income taxes as married rather than single because I'm working and my partner is retired. My taxes are thousands of dollars higher each year uh, than they would be if we could file jointly. Okay, so that makes sense. Uh, Passing on higher Social Security income benefit to my partner in the event I die before him. So, of course, he can't do that. And that's because uh, of the Defense of Marriage uh, Act. Uh, Passing on my estate to my partner with him having to pay inheritance taxes as if he were a stranger. Again, the Defense of Marriage Act prohibits federal tax laws from recognizing the marriage exemptions in the estate tax. Uh, Next one, tax exemption for the cost of paying the premium for my retired partner's health insurance. He's not old enough to qualify for Medicare. If my partner were my wife, my premiums and the company's matching premiums for her health insurance would be tax-free. But because of DOMA, the cost of his premium and my company matching premium are taxable. This alone adds about $2,000 in federal taxes. Uh, so when I saw this list, I'm like, well, dude, everything you're asking for is going to cost the government money. <laughs> of course. No wonder in they fact, don't want to give it to you. I the biggest kick out of it. I have to say there was, some, there was a funny uh, Bill Maher show because he had two republicans he had he had hoover margaret hoover the you know the granddaughter of herbert hoover who was on the fox all the time and grover norquist and i have to say there was a logic to somebody who called grover norquist out saying why are you guys against gay marriage if you always will keep wanting the lower taxes cuz this will do it they didn't really have an answer to that really yeah, because he caught him off guard. Nobody thought in those terms. They're just against, you know, whatever, gay marriage for whatever reason. But but they, but it would actually lower taxes for these people. Well, that's the whole problem. That's why the government doesn't want to do it. It'd be, it'd be uh, billions in revenue. Do yeah, billions. No, they don't want to lower taxes on billions. anybody. Anyway, so very, very, very interesting. And then you sent out, um, which uh, did, uh, I mean, we would have had like no money, if I guess, if you hadn't sent out your newsletter uh, yesterday. And um, this was about the Newsweek, which I picked up a copy of the Newsweek. Oh, you have a copy? Yes, I do. Oh, man, you should have bought two. I wanted to get one. Uh, where it's President, a collectible. Pre- President Obama is on the front page with the headline, The First Gay President. You want to talk about what you wrote in your, for those of you who don't subscribe to the, to the newsletter? Yeah, if you don't get the newsletter, you're kind of missing out because some of these things we're not going to talk about on the show. But the uh, I yeah I tracked down the genesis of this and I'm now convinced that it's a cabal of Hillary Clinton lovers and it's very uh, it was very carefully outlined in this lengthy newsletter uh, the three people involved and I wouldn't include Andrew Sullivan in that it was a gay Republican or was I think he's an independent now uh, they were the ones who decided on this cover line this gay and I think as they were leaking I think they were leaking this the rumors that are going around which I link to. Uh, about Obama actually being on the down low or a guy was bisexual possibly. And this has actually gotten worse. And I know, by the way, it's to inject into the debate, the possibility that he's gay, which will make the black community turn on him. He's got to be. So you're, so you're saying, so you're saying that this Newsweek article was meant to um, hurt the president. Yeah. Oh, 
I think it was meant to hurt him. So Hillary has a last ditch shot. Huh. We know, we've heard. We, in fact, we had a clip about how Bill wants to, you know, still says she might should maybe think about running in 2012. And yeah. we've talked about this on the show forever. And uh, so I think it was a it was a hit job because if you look at the people involved, they're all Hillary people essentially, except for Sullivan. You don't know what the heck he's doing, but they gave him the article to write, and right. the whole thing is a scam. And so that so to make it worse, the most recent thing that's happened, and people can get the if they ever get the newsletter, they can read all the details. There's a lot in there. Uh, they can is that what happened on uh, Aaron Burnett's show? about the Obama is the first female president, which just makes this even worse because now he's being portrayed as a woman, which is, I mean, this whole thing is, this is piling on. And, and I would say that since one of the women on the, uh, at the uh, Newsweek is uh, with, on the Council of Foreign Relations and she's got a weird background and then so does uh, Aaron Burnett. And you know, so I have these two clips. Uh, I got two of them. First play Obama, the first female president. Aaron, by the way, cannot keep a straight face while she's doing this piece. Our second story out front. President Obama up nine points over Mitt Romney among women voters. This is according to the latest Gallup poll. And you may remember last night we were talking about the CBS New York Times poll, which had showed Romney up by three points among women, which was within the margin of error, but still surprised both the people on the left and the right on the panel. They didn't think it would quite be that way. And it is right now nine points in the president's favor, according to Gallup. But does that mean he's the first female president? I mean, I, you say, what are you, crazy? Well, I'm not the one who said this. This is what an op-ed in the Washington Post said the president is as he launched a major new appeal to those coveted women voters. Referring to the president's commencement speech at the all-female Barnard College in a Millbank writes. See, the first female president was the headline, and it said Monday's activities veered into pandering as Obama brazenly flaunted his feminine mystique. Something about it is just, I don't know, his feminine mystique? Okay. Obama also appeared on The View today where he talked about getting teased by the first lady and coaching his daughter's basketball team. Now, before you continue with that, John, I did want to say there is a possible other explanation for what's going on here. Uh, because you, I think you even mentioned the newsletter, uh, Alston Report had a whole um, insider-related uh, story about how this woman um, had seen uh, what she believes uh, President Obama uh, having— uh, Before he was president. Before he was president, when he, uh, even before he was senator, I guess, uh, having gay sex, and she got killed— and of course, there's tons of rumors. We've got Larry Sinclair. We've got, uh, you know, two of, um, his former, uh, so-called former lovers, uh, in the Jeremiah Wright church, uh, who were also killed. And, uh, there was, uh, and of course, there's always been rumors about, uh, Rahm Emanuel. It's possible, um, that this is all to build up a huge cover so that when someone else comes out saying something perhaps credible, that they'll say, ah, it's just another one of these nut jobs. You know, this is just, you know, the president uh, comes out and does something humanitarian, something really nice, and then you get all these wackos coming out of the uh, out of the bushes. I like that. I like that a lot. But I think it may be too complex. I mean, it's it's definitely well, maybe, a maybe, Well, we'll have to see if someone comes out and says something really nutty. It'll have to be good. But they've already, the setup is there, and I think that it's, it's already done, I think, I like your theory, but I, I think the damage has been done in the gay, in not the gay community, the gay community. I mean, their original thesis was it just a, and and which is a fact that gays have been throwing money at Obama now, mm. uh, and I think it was just a money grab at, at first. 
But it's hurt him in the black community, and it's going to result in a lower turnout at the polls because blacks aren't going to vote for Romney ever. No. And so they're 95% for Obama because he's black, just that simple. And But it's 95%. And somebody, I think it was Juan Williams on one of those shows, says, you know, it's still going to be 95% of the black vote is going to go to Obama, but the black vote's going to be down. Much lower. Mm. Because people aren't going to go vote at all, They're going to, which is a very co- common thing in the United States. You know, people just don't vote when they think both candidates suck. Chat room reminds me of Reggie Love, by the way. And Reggie Love, right, yeah. which somebody says, a couple of people have sent us notes on that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so anyway, something's am- amiss. And But I, the one thing that was, it's kind of maybe a little bit off talk, but the second half of this clip, which is another, the, the second clip, the first one should be done. Uh, I, it was just annoying to me, and I'm just going to say this is. I know you're going to hate me to even bring this up, mm. but I am not. But play the second clip, and then I'll, I'll tell you what my pet peeve is. We're celebrating 40 years of, of, of Title IX, and mm-hmm. it shows what, when girls are given the opportunity and they're competing and they're working as a team. Uh, it makes them stronger. It makes them more confident. Uh, it is it's one of the great things that's happened. Uh, during the course of my lifetime is women's sports yeah. becoming yeah. just as important, just as powerful. What? So he's on The View. On The View, on. yeah. Uh-huh. Let me just say, Title IX is a law that was passed by some idiot. I think it was Clinton, I'm not sure. That makes it so if you have a football team at a major college university which has this big stadium, if you haven't noticed, and you spend like uh, millions and millions of dollars on the football team, you have to spend the same amount of money on women's sports, which nobody cares about except the women playing the sports. And they'll still be playing the sports without the money. They like to play sports. Everybody does. But nobody's going to go pack the auditorium at a basketball court to watch women's basketball. They get, you know, 10% of the place is full. And so this whole thing is galling to me. And then to cater to it for a guy who supposedly likes sports is ridiculous. Does he watch women's basketball? I doubt it. Anyway, that's the end. I'm done. John C. Dvorak's pet peeve of the day. I did have one other. Uh, we had a nice dinner. With our uh, lesbian, our Jewish lesbian power couple friends. Oh yeah, and um, you know, and of course, all of this came up, and uh, and they're students of uh, actually they're friends with Geert Wilders and uh, uh, who's the uh, Somalia chick, Ayan uh, Hirsi Ali. You know, the, uh, she's the, uh, a big activist in in Holland. She she got kind of booted out of the country because she was saying, "Hey, man, this Islam is no good." Uh, and she, she was gen, uh, uh, her genitals were, um, mutilated as, uh, as a Muslim, uh, girl, right. Click direct to me. Yes, exactly. And, and so, you know, we're, we're talking about all this and, and they said a couple of very interesting things. They said, you know, Hillary Clinton is evil. I'm like, wait a minute. Isn't she on your team? She says, oh yeah. Said, and she's using our team, the LGBTC. Remember, C is for curious like me. Uh, L- LGBTC rights uh, in order to shepherd in Sharia law. And I'm like, what? Oh, God. Yeah. And they and according to them, the uh, the all the the the, the advisors to uh, the State Department and Obama, they say that it's just tons and tons of pro Sharia law advisors. And, and they gave me like some propaganda like some booklets, which is like, it's almost like underground anti-Nazi stuff. It's crazy from the freedom Institute and, you know, David Horowitz and, and all these little booklets. And I'm reading them 
And, you know, they're like uh, how the word Islamophobia is now entering. And we talked about this, um, how the word Islamophobia is being used to further the agenda of Sharia law. Uh, because, of course, when you put phobia behind something, and someone else pointed this out uh, to me with homophobia, you have an irrational fear. So they're saying, oh, you're an Islamophobe, so it's irrational. But meanwhile, uh, it, it they claim that the real mission is to shepherd in bits and pieces of Sharia law into the American judicial system. A fascinating uh, discussion. And it's all being done under the political correctness of uh, let's uh, be sensitive to LBG, LGBTC rights. Huh. Well, that'll be worth following. <laughs> well, you know, they're, getting, they're, they're, they're lovely, lovely women. I mean, they are a true power couple. And it's, it's interesting to have that combination to be the, the, the Jewish lesbian power couple. Because they travel in like, you know, um, upper... Board of directors. So type. Be, this this must be a point of discussion amongst their uh, milieu. Big time, big time. Yeah. So I'm going to read all the propaganda. Speaking of which, John, you know what else I read? <clears throat> One of our uh, producers, I can't remember. Someone <clears throat> said to me, "You have to watch this uh, documentary. It's a German documentary called The Net, and The Net is uh, reading here from the description." Fascinating German documentary exploring the bizarre life story of Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber. Mm. And uh, so I watched 15 minutes. It's like an hour and a half. I watched 15 minutes. I'm like, oh, my God, I've got to go read his manifesto. Remember, we were talking about uh, the Unabomber and how the manifesto got uh, got published. And then his brother saw some words recognized. And that's have you ever read his manifesto? You know, I think I may have read part of it, but it's like the kind of thing you read that the kind of thinking is around Berk has always been around Berkeley, and so I and I didn't read it for a while. I haven't read it since we started doing the show, so I'm, <laughs> I'm sure my attitude would be a little different. But well, you know, of what course, is in there that you think is interesting? He's basically saying pretty much the same uh, thing about political correctness that uh, Breivik was saying, and uh, and all these people are saying. But he takes it a step further. He says technology is going to imprison us. It's not going to set us free. And in no, we, yeah, we discussed this. That's what Bill Gates yeah, once thought yeah. about software. We'll be its pets, right? Well, and you know, but in hindsight, we, and it's not a it's not a long manifesto. It's like fifty pages or so. In hindsight, because this was written in what ninety uh, five. I don't remember. Yeah, I think like, I think it was ninety five. I can check it. Look, I'll check it on the book of knowledge. Um, when when you, it's all about leftism, and he starts off by saying, "Let me just find the relevant uh, passage." He said, um, "When someone interprets as derogatory almost anything that is said about him <clears throat> or about groups which with, with with whom he identifies." We conclude that he has inferiority feelings or low self-esteem. This tendency yeah, ran in 1995, the, the manifesto. Yeah. This tendency is pronounced among minority rights advocates, whether or not they belong to minority groups whose rights they defend. They are hypersensitive about the words used to designate minorities. Now listen to this. The terms Negro, Oriental, Handicapped, or Chick for an African, an Asian, a disabled person, or a woman originally had no derogatory connotation. Broad and chick were merely the feminine equivalents of guy, dude, or fellow. The negative connotations have been attached to these terms by the activists themselves. 
Some animal rights advocates have gone so far as to reject the word pet and insist on its replacement by animal companion. And so he goes on to explain how he feels that this extreme leftism, which I think we're seeing, is is bad for the development of society. And you know, he was he was a mathematician. Right. And you and you let's bring it back to your thesis that this is all an attack on free speech. Yes, exactly. At the base, at yeah. the base level, at the base level, it's all an attack on free speech until you basically you're in a prison. You can't say anything anymore. Right. And it can't be you can't be critical. And while, of course, I cannot condone uh, how he what he did to get this uh, manifesto published, because this is kind of you know beginning of Internet days. No one was really on it. He says, you know, we need a revolution. It does not have to be with bloodshed. Uh, we had to kill people, the Freedom Club. We had to kill people in order to get our manifesto published. Sorry about that. <laughs> but I'm, I'm so fascinated by someone who has the uh, capability to look so far into the future and possibly be correct about how technology is really not setting us free but making enslaving us and to see that it can go to such a degree and be so bad that he feels he has to kill people to make his point. I'm fascinated by that. Uh, yeah, well, I've always, I've, I'm, I'm in agreement with the technology issue. In fact, I have advocated, and people can vouch for me, although this is ludicrous, but I've advocated just shutting down the Internet. I think it should be shut down. I'm, you know, I'm starting to think it's not a bad idea. <laughs> just shut it down. Just we don't shut need it, it. Shut it down, yeah. And look at all the problems it's causing. I mean, just, you know, I was in line for the humiliation tunnel at LAX. To, oh, yeah. How did that go? On the way out, we got magnetometer. We oh, got, that's nice. We got lucky. On the way back, it was only one uh, tunnel, and they had a magnetometer, and uh, and they had the backscatter, the, the one that they just crank up. And, uh, you know. An so, x-ray machine. Yeah. So Mickey says, I'm opting out. <laughs> we have an opt out. We have an opt out. And I'm right behind her. Yeah, I'm opting out too. <laughs> and then someone gets shuttled right through the magnetometer. And Mickey, bless her heart, says, hey, you didn't have to go through the scanner. You guys, and the guy literally said, I didn't see that. Well, you just went through the magnetometer. No, I didn't see no one go through there. <laughs> okay. You ran into a lying sack of crap. <sighs> Unbelievable. Another fine government worker. So we, uh, yeah, we got a, we got a little pat down, little pat down. So you're opting out of the uh, scanner. Yes. What did they say to you? Yeah, did you have a conversation about it? Yeah. Uh, and it starts. Are you opting out of the scanner? And now they have someone. Someone has to watch when you do it. Uh, they have to have one watch guy. When you do what? So one guy is uh, is is patting you down. The other one's watching. Yeah. Oh, that's sick. And make yeah. Well, <laughs> that's the bennies of the job. Uh, I guess one guy has to make sure that you know you're offered all the uh, you're offered the uh, the opportunity to have a private screening. Did you tell him Napolitano won't go through one of those machines? Why should you? That's uh, my latest. No, 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 no. I'm doing the same thing. I said when when you're allowed to wear a, a dosimeter, no, that's I'll go always through. a good one too. I'll go through what? And they're so dense. Yeah, they don't even know uh, what a dosimeter, no, 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 yeah. dosimeter is. No. Uh. <laughs> now, does this um, TED speech somehow fit into this whole political correctness thing? Yeah, totally. Tell me about it. Well, it well it doesn't. It, it's actually okay. The TED there's a TEDx speech that has been, and I think I'll have it on the blog. I sent you a uh, there's it's in the show notes. Yeah, under cultural Marxism. 
One of the guys uh, came and gave a speech at TEDx, which was censored and removed from view, so you can't watch it. And essentially, the guy said that uh, it's actually not as much political correctness as it is anti-banking. And they they said it was because it was pro-Republican or something. I couldn't. I read the whole thing, and I didn't see anything in there that was even political, to be honest about it. But he says that uh, his argument is that big business and small business, neither one of them are the people that create jobs. This doesn't create jobs. It's just a, it's a chicken and egg phenomenon. But he knows which where it's where it's really where it's really functional, which is in the middle class. He says the large middle class, when they get a bunch of money, they spend it and they force people to crank up production so they can sell them the products that they want. And then just because of the nature of a, of a capitalist business, they, you know, they, if they can't make enough of it knowing they can make more money, they'll start hiring people mm. because they have to, not because they want to or because they're job creators. It's because the middle class has got a huge demand and they're demanding stuff and they're the big, that's the big consumer group in the world is this group of people with a lot of you know, income that they can drop on crap. And so uh, that's where the money should have gone instead of to the bankers because that would have cranked the economy back up and gotten a lot of full-time jobs. But they've essentially gone out of their way to shrink the middle class. And there's a lot of charts out there, by the way, that shows the middle class is down to really like 45% of the public as opposed to the normal 65. Where are we on that chart? Down there at the we, bottom, we're in the lower at the bottom. Road class. <laughs> but anyway, the point is, is that uh, he that's all the speech was about. It was very simple. And it was, I guess, politically incorrect because it wasn't following some precepts of what we can actually talk about. And in fact, it's one of the tamest things ever. So I would say, yeah, if you want to put political correctness on it. It's really pathetic because there was no reason to kill this speech. You could have let it slide and been in the uh, uh, in the video uh, queue, and people said, "Oh yeah, it makes sense," and that would be that. Now it's getting attention. I think I got to write me a manifesto. Uh, you, I think you already have. <laughs> no, I have not. You know, I just remembered something. Wow, this is very personal that I'm going to tell you. Something personal that I'm going to tell you right now, but it's relevant to the conversation. So I was out with my buddy, uh, Dr. Ryan, and he has one of these uh, boat memberships on Lake Austin. So you can, uh, you know, it's uh, you know, it's like it's a timeshare. Like it's, yeah, it's like a club. drinking club. Yeah. Well, yeah. So you get a boat, you get a nice speed boat and you go out on the lake and you drink some beers and you come back. And um, so uh, we'd gone out, we'd gone swimming. And uh, and my uh, first of all, because I'm sitting on my ass all the time, it's always a problem. But. Uh, the wet bathing suit, and I was steering the boat. You know, I don't know, we're doing 40 miles an hour or whatever, you know, racing along, you know, over the waves, and it's choppy. And so my bathing suit is rubbing into my loin, uh, you know, right there by your groin area. And so it became irritated. And and I've had this before, and so it's kind of a sensitive area for me. And then, it, you know, it becomes essentially infected under the skin, Right. And I've learned from previous experience, the only thing that helps is if you take some uh, cotton and you uh, put it in, um, what's the what's the salt uh, that, uh, help me out here. I have no idea what you're talking about, but go on. Well, what are those salts? You, salt? 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 You can, yeah, Epsom you can, salt? Epsom, Epsom salt. Thank you. Oh, okay. So you, you dilute I some. I said Epsom. Epsom salt. Epsom. And so if you, know, you put a you dip a couple of uh, cotton uh, pads in that and then you put all it right, against right, 
Well, it's important. And then you put you pull your your underwear on because, of course, you know when I'm about to travel on the plane. Then the underwear is going to ride up and it's going to cut in, and, it, and it, eventually it can become like a boil and burst. You got to be really careful. Yeah, I think I'd get different underwear, but go on. I'm still wearing the Hemas, but this is just because it got really irritated. I just realized on the way back, I had like three cotton pads jammed up there in my crotch, and they didn't detect it on the pat down. Oh, you still had. Oh, that's interesting. That you could had have, a crotch bomb. That could have been an underwear bomber, and they didn't it even detect been, yeah. it. How lame is that? That's lame. I'm just saying. And I said it. Yeah. Well, it's a, yeah. Anyway. So, uh, I, just a quick couple of clips before we go to our donation segment. Yes. Uh, tell me what's wrong with this, this. If you listen to this clip from Ed Schultz. Tell me what you think this kind of like the way he, the way he words things. You know, Ed Schultz, the crummy. I don't. This guy's ratings must have been a dynamite, like twenty five thousand. But t- tell me where the way he words things. It's not kind of, especially the way he puts it. It's not kind of a little weird. And find workers in the workplace who are basically getting screwed. Now, O'Reilly, the next time you get on an airplane, as I got one on this morning from New York to Washington, I thought about the flight attendants. What? As I got one on, I thought about the flight attendants. What does that mean to you? Well, what he said. <laughs> Short clip, play it again. I kind of like that. As I got one on, as I'm rubbing one out over here, I was thinking about the flight attendants. Hold on, here we go. And find workers in the workplace who are basically getting screwed. Now, O'Reilly, the next time you get on an airplane, as I got one on this morning from New York to Washington, I thought about the flight attendants. Yeah, that's a Freudian slip. <laughs> and he starts with the word screwed. They're getting screwed. <laughs> I got one on over the flight attendants. That's I'm telling you, these guys are all pedo bears, man. They think about nothing <laughs> else. Well, the flight attendants aren't girls, so it's not the case. Some of them could be. Um... One other thing. Well, I'll do this on after the break. Uh, there's a couple of things here that came out. Uh, just one other, like, light piece. I got this Chris, Chris Matthews actually admitting to not being fair. Even his time running the Olympics in Salt Lake. But let's be fair. I don't want to say let's be fair. Hold on. I, I didn't hear it. I didn't, didn't he register. He said let's be fair. Wait, I don't want to say let's be fair. Well, what is it? He admits it. <laughs> I'm taking these really short two-second clips now. I'm getting a lot out of them. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm going to show my support by donating to No Agenda. Imagine all the people who could do that. Oh, yeah, that'd be fab. Yeah, on No Agenda. Let's get one on. In the morning. So uh, let's see what we got here. Okay. Uh, we have uh, a few donors, and we want to thank them. Uh, $117.17, which is another vote for the slide whistle, which you haven't been hearing a lot of. Uh, Kristen, Sir Christian Herzog in Elwood, Illinois, one 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 seventeen. I'm good with the slide whistles. It can be a little heavy at times, but I like it. The latest runs of shows have been jam-packed with great stuff, except this donation to keep doing it. Oh, accept. Uh, can I get a war on chicken for myself and some job? Changing karma for my wife. The war on chicken. You've got karma. Signed, Sir Zog. William Patterson, Lawrence, Kansas. $100.07. I should look him up and see if there's something he said. Unfortunately, I haven't got my email open. 
uh, link.me in Winterville, Georgia. It's my birthday on Friday. I'm sending you money. Why? Because this is the best podcast in the universe. Shout out for my WordPress plugin, link, L-E-E-N-K dot me. Hmm. I'll have to check that out since I'm always looking for a good plug-in. <laughs> uh, I asked for some more karma for my adoption, but last time I got a six-week delay because the lawyer screwed up some paperwork. 7777. So he doesn't want karma. He thinks it worked against him. Link.me. What does this do? Publicize your WordPress content, t- content automatically. Hmm. I guess it... Uh, what does it do? Eh, uh, well, let's take a look. Creating a LinkMe account is extremely quick and easy. Yeah. If you visit the membership pricing page, you'll <laughs> yeah. want to select the account type that... I think it. Uh, if you then post something to your blog, it'll tweet it and stuff. That's what it sounds like to me. I think it does that anyway. I don't know. I don't know. Well, anyway, that's his plugin. You were looking for a plugin. There you go. Yeah, I'm looking for. I'm looking for plugins, but not that one. All right, uh, onward. Six. Oh, here we go. We're back on on scratch with the, the following. Let me see how many are there here. The following three, four, five. Is it six? Six. The following six donors all gave sixty nine sixty nine, setting a one day record <laughs> for the sixty nine sixty nine donation. Actually, it's only five because the first guy gave sixty nine ninety six for some reason. This is Lucas Salvatore in Wilton, Connecticut. Uh, I'm, I'm donating sixty nine ninety six. I should point out the six at the end is a vote for Adam to continue to say turns out. <laughs> All right, turns out that's... Uh, turns out it allows him to explain. Uh, I listen to your show on my three-hour trip home and occasionally will completely zone out. But the second Adam says, turns out my ears instantly perk up and I listen. Because my program knows that what he's about to say is very important. Oh, all right. It's good. It's neural networking. I love it. Past two episodes have been filled with some seriously amazing history lessons, also an explanation of federal versus state laws for gay marriage. And I want to thank you for that with my long-awaited donation. I want to uh, please give me a de-douching for waiting this long, followed by an old clip that had me laughing out loud, the original Rick Perry tweeter clip. Mm. Can you even find that? Yeah, keep going. Uh, thanks, uh, Lucas from Connecticut. Does this get me a podcast license? My email, and he's got the whole thing on there. Um, so if you can get tweet, so he wants he doesn't even want karma. He wants a he wants a um, de douching tweeter. I don't think I have the tweeter anymore. Uh, well, you have it. You just don't know where it is. Well, it's been so long. Uh, no, no, no. I'm sorry, man. I I don't have it handy. I can give him an adios, mofo. Would that be? Uh, <laughs> yeah, do that. <laughs> Would that be uh, close enough? All right, so uh, here we go. You've been de-douched. Adios, mofo. You've got karma. Kevin Webb, Carrollton, Texas, 6969. Please give my lovely wife, Stephanie, some career karma and call out my co-worker, Tim New, as a douchebag. You've got karma. Matthew Frank in Mentor, Ohio. Like to get some getting laid karma for this upcoming weekend to keep up the awesome deconstruction of the media. You've got 
Parma. On with more 6969 from Matthew Frank, uh, I'm sorry, from Francis Penny Plus Company in Greensboro, North Carolina. He uh, payment for the privilege of emailing Adam to share a thought on gay marriage. He wants to marry you, Adam. Mm-hmm. Love the show. Is that a proposal, honey? You've got karma. Trent Smith, Swan, Swanbourne, Western Australia. Uh, Perth, actually. Our favorite town in Australia. Just a quick note to let you know there's, unlike so many listeners from those failing economies in the Northern Hemisphere, Perth listeners are getting plenty of action in the bedroom. <laughs> Probably because Perth is chock full of hot babes. Hey, hold on a second. We got to go there. In my case, it's due to my smoking hot MILF girlfriend, even though she suspects I may be a closet crackpot. Shot a karma to her, please. Also, our police have, uh, have this week started a trial drone program, but probably just to protect the children. <laughs> Some karma for you. <laughs> You've got karma. That's true. Michael Shoemaker in Rancho Cucamonga, 6969, and I'll look him up in a minute. Ludger Rinch. I would say it would be Ludger Rinch. Rinch. Okay. Uh, Anyway, why don't you read that for a second? I got to quickly do something. (laughs) Now we all want to know what you're doing. I'm I'm looking up Janice Kang because I forgot to do that. All right, uh, Ludger is from Berlin. In the morning, from Munich, Deutschland. I'm listening to the best <laughs> podcast in the universe for several months now, uh, but I've never donated, so please de-douche me. I've waited very long with this donation because on almost every subject, my opinion is the complete opposite of yours. Thank you for bringing some discuss, discuss, discourse into my thinking. Very often, I have the feeling that you guys are simply against the mainstream just for being against it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it, it's it's so successful. It works so well for us. That's why we're just well, against it. Well, after you listen to us enough, you'll realize that that's not true. Oh. We're not just being against the mainstream media. The mainstream media is corrupt. Yeah, my favorite example is nuclear power. Nobody loves nuclear power more than big energy. We love it. Uh, ever, uh, ever, Every nuclear plant is a mega project, which in itself suppre- suppresses small competition. In addition, they get huge subsidies because they don't have to take care of the waste and don't have to insure all the <coughs> risks. Just check who pays for Fukushima and who will pay for the safety of the nuclear waste repositories in 100 years. Nuclear energy is the best example for privatizing earnings and socializing costs and losses. Please, I disagree with that. Uh, okay, he said it. Yeah. Let, let me plug my latest project, SpokenLink.com. It enables you to create short links which are easy to share vocally, combining pictures and colors. Please give baby that's one hot milf. You've got karma in the morning karma to my beautiful fiance, Louisa. She'll be furious that I wake her up at four in the morning to listen to this. Wow. So uh, once... uh, I don't have to listen live, you know, but okay. Okay, one hot milf baby. You've got karma in the morning. Okay. That's one hot milf baby. You've got karma. In the morning. So it's a good thing I looked up Janice Kang, one of our executive producers, because we had to put her on the birthday list. Uh Uh-oh. A uh, shout out for a contribution to Thursday show. John M., I hope the e-check clears, blah, blah, blah. It'll be a milestone birthday for me and a dual slide whistle serenade. We don't do those during the birthday call because there's a bunch of them, but we'll give you a slide whistle. Hold on. It's Dame Janice King? It's Dame Janice King, right? Dame Janice. I'm yeah. sorry. Okay. Uh, I spotted yet another scheme to harvest personal information from the general public. 
I'll send more later. Thanks for your hard work. Living the American dream, just getting by. Yo. Okay. Okay. So she's on the list now, I hope. And uh, let me go back, slide back down. Uh, uh, where were we? Carl Hadel, uh, 5912, Madison, Mississippi. Greg Steerly, Santa Monica, California, 5555, needs a de-douching. I uh, only started donating in November, and, and there's a slight fishy smell. <laughs> you can always follow me on Twitter at... <laughs> you thought karma. Was there a de-douching in there as well? Yeah, he wants a de-douche. You've been de-douched. That was gratuitous karma. Sorry. Well, I, I, well, found, I found the tweeters one, so. I see it. Yeah, Wayne Hyman, St. Petersburg, Florida, 50 f- double nickels on the dime, off to get Monation East for a few weeks to sample real ales in the beautiful, beautiful Derbyshire, Derbyshire countryside. Eat roast beef and Yorkshire pudding and drink PG Tips tea. I could use some naked body scanner opt-out karma when I have to explain to the TSA agent why I refuse to get x-rayed. <laughs> You've got karma. I, I do have a make good from a week ago or from the last show, actually. This is from Sarah Milligan, who uh, I'll read your note. I embarrassingly only listen to your show and my husband has it blasting in our house or car, but I always find it entertaining. I donated 50 bucks. Can you guys give him a karma or whatever it is you do to my <laughs> husband, Matt Milligan, and my brother and sister-in-law for their total dedication for helping Ron Paul take Nevada delegates over the weekend. All right, so I think what we do is we do a karma with a uh, slide whistle duet since it's a make good. All right? Okay. All right. You've got karma. That's what we you do, baby. That's what we uh, do. Them and all the others were at the convention until 2 a.m. Saturday night fighting a bunch of lying and cheating Romney supporters. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> then I woke my husband up at 6 a.m. to set up for our daughter's third birthday party. Well, you know what the big problem is, is uh, you saw what happened with Ron Paul, where he said, you know, we're not going to campaign. We're just going to go after the delegates. <laughs> and then every mainstream media, Ron Paul calls it quits. He's quitting. Yeah. He quit, everybody. He quit. Yeah, and this is why we, we, we think the mainstream media stinks. Yeah, we're not just I mean, against they've been it. after Ron Paul since the beginning of this whole yeah. thing. And it might, it might just point out. He does this the day after his breakfast meeting with Bernanke. That was a little weird to me. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> something's up. Anyway, okay, onward. Melody Mann, uh, Jim and Melody Mann wish their son Ben a happy birthday. We're going to put that on. Yeah. We don't usually endorse hitting children in the mouth, but in the instance, we make an exception. <laughs> As a poor college student, Ben lacks the funds to support the show, but he propagates the formula wherever he can, and he needs, she'd like a clippity-clop karma. Oh, Wow, okay, here That's we go. It's the message is clear. Just <laughs> You've got karma. All right, uh, onward. We have, um, well, this spreadsheet, I need a bigger monitor. Joan. Uh, um, uh, Joan, what do you think you pronounce? This is a French name, Audifray, I think. Dodifray. Jean Dodefray. Hey, from Motown. Motown. Morgantown, West Virginia. Motown. I used to go to Motown. You used to be in West Virginia. Yeah, Salem. Huh. Um, okay. 
Morgantown, West Virginia. Uh, hey, John and Adam, here's my modest donation. Vote to definitely keep the slide whistle, both of them. I'm trying to decide whether or not my relocation karma from about a month ago worked out or not. <laughs> We're not moving know. after all, but in the process, I have clean closets and lots of fresh paint on my house. I guess it did work. <laughs> hey. This is what I do when I think, yeah, every once in a while you think you're doing something and then you don't, but you got a clean car or something. Uh, I'm very impressed with that John pronounces my last name properly. Did I? Uh, it usually gets butchered. Well, it's actually, you know, that name is a very famous uh, wine importing name from some years back. Very famous wine or exporters. Bordeaux. Maybe it's all that time you spent in Paris drinking French wines. Yes, that's exactly it. Douchebag call out to my shitbag accountant. Douchebag. He screwed up our 2010 taxes, which resulted in a little surprise letter from the IRS, and I came dangerous close to having my firstborn, uh, losing my firstborn to Tiny Tim today. <laughs> Chris Slowinski, Sir Chris Slowinski to you in Sherwood Park, Alberta, $50. <laughs> Jason Burke, Richmond, Texas, $50. John Tirada, Pasadena, $50. Hey, Adam, can I uh, send some job hunting karma? I need to find a new job. You've got karma. And finally, Jason Fortune in Geneva, Illinois, $50. And that'll be our donors for today's show. 409. Giddy up my 409. Nobody came in with a 409 donation, which I find disappointing, but that's the way it goes. We've got a 426 coming up for you card enthusiasts. Well, you know. What? Well, it's, it's like, you know, we, we work really hard on this show, and it's been two down shows in a row. Yeah. And, and usually on Thursday, uh, it, it picks up and it didn't pick up. So I don't know. Is no. it, I mean, are we on the wrong track? I thought we were, you know, we get all kudos, you know, great information. You're doing you know, great conversation. Maybe we're boring the public. Well, something. We must or be- I think it's a, maybe it's the summer coming up. I and mean, we're going to start to see the reruns on TV. That's usually when the donations Well, along, along those lines, uh, you know, Brandon, who kindly offered his 35-foot trailer, um, so we got all the specs Did in. Did you try driving it? No, no, we got all the specs in. And uh, the Dodge Ram is rated, if it, a 2002 Dodge Ram with the 5.9 engine is rated to pull 7,500 pounds. Uh, that is not enough. Uh, because this, How much does this sucker weigh? Almost nine. Oh, no, you can't manage yeah. it. You blow it up. So either someone has to... Uh, swap. Yeah, you need like a semi to pull that thing around. He says a Ford F-150, but preferably a F-250. So if anyone wants to trade trucks, then that's one <laughs> way we could do it. You could have my truck, which is, it's a fine truck. I thought, that, I thought that truck of yours had enough. With a big engine like that, you can't pull nine grand? No, I think, huh. I think the problem is the, uh, uh, is the transmission. clutch. Yeah, clutch or transmission, it could burn out. And we're going to go through Colorado. So this, we got. Oh, yeah, no, the, you, if that's the problem the way yeah. I see it. Yeah. If so, you're going to go through Colorado, which is a really a nasty on a car, especially if you're hauling something, so you need some you need some guts. So do we? So do we either a look for another trailer or do we? I think you should look for another trailer. I think that trailer's it might too have been big. a little too big for us. Yeah, I think it's too big. You don't need a trailer that big. I mean, that's for that's a trailer you you <laughs> take you drive it to Sarasota and you live in it for two years. Yeah. It's it's called practicing for the future. <laughs> uh, so we're still on the lookout for. I think uh, you know a twenty five foot trailer would probably good, be good for us. I don't think we need anything bigger than that, do we? Well, yeah, we have to at least thank him for. Helping oh no, us. It's, uh, it's fantastic. He's very very kind, but it just it just won't work. 
And I think, you know, for the Rockies and everything, that's it's just going to be overkill. So that will be for the Hot Pockets Tour 2009. A lot of people are all geared up about it. They're all hyped. You know, we got meetups. Uh, Ms. Mickey is starting to schedule. So if you want to, um, actually, you can go to itm.m slash tour zero nine. <clears throat> that's a zero numeral zero and nine. That's a website? It forwards to the Facebook page. She lives on Facebook. This Facebook thing has got to end. Yeah, I will eventually. So what is it? What's the what's itm dot im slash im? Yeah, in the morning. In the morning. Itm itm dot im. So it's in the morning dot in morning slash tour. It is in the morning. The Gitmo Nation URL shortener. Yeah. Where's the Facebook page? Well, you didn't do the slash tour oh nine. Oh, oh, sorry. Dude. Slash 209? Yeah. No, 09. Hello? 209. Is this on? Get the crud out of your ears. I thought you said at 209. I said 09. Tour, 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 tour. Tour. Oh, tour. Like well, La Tour. You're, you're, you're mumble mouth today. <sighs> it's because I'm disappointed I'm not in porn. Well, it's funny because I just put in 09. And I, why did I show up here? Channel14.com. Slash news, why the Richter scale is no more. <laughs> You're, you did something wrong. No, I'm telling you, I put itm.im slash 209. Tour, 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 I know what it is. I'm telling you what happened. Because it's a URL. I don't URL. care about tour anymore. I'm on the Richter <laughs> scale page. How does that work? It's a URL shortener. It's for- I didn't type it into the URL shortener. I typed in. No, I understand, but that's probably a URL that was shortened. Duh. Oh, I see. Okay. Oh, light bulb. Hello. Consult. Uh. Why should I consult the book of knowledge? That makes no sense. Science. Science. The moment magnitude scale is much more useful than the Richter. The mo is called the moment. Yeah, magnitude. yeah, we know about that. Anyway, I'd like to point out that as uh, uh, as NPR's advertising revenue has dropped because they're so stupid and so bogative, now the FCC has adopted a notice of proposal that will allow them to alter their normal programming so that they can do fundraisers for third-party nonprofit groups. What? Yes. So all these bogative uh 501c3 corpse that we are always that we're always highlighting now NPR will be allowed to do fundraising for them so if you're going to give your money what? to any broadcasting outfit give it to us this is crazy yeah Liberal- and meanwhile they're still asking people to give them money yeah and and you get a tote bag like like you actually like you're doing something i know it's of course it's crazy uh, anyway uh, we are doing the work. We did a Cinco de Mayo. Please help us out for the next show because it's becoming a little bit depressing. Dvorak.org slash N-A It's your birthday, birthday I've no agenda And we congratulate Dame Janice King. Thank you so much for helping us out on uh, this episode of the greatest podcast in the universe. And Melanie Mann uh, congratulates... Her son, Ben, with his birthday. And that is from all of your buddies here at the No Agenda Show. It's your birthday, yeah. And then we do have one, uh, uh, well, it's actually a, uh, a knighting of a dame today is what we have. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. About time. So, uh, 
Put away the slide whistle and draw your blade. Here it comes. Okay. All right, uh, Mrs. Goshko, please step forward. I don't know. We had never had a dame whose name was Mrs. before, I don't think. Thanks to uh, your hubby, Sir Robert Goshko's donation in the amount of up to $1,000, actually bringing to 232323, we hereby proudly pronounce thee Dame Goshko, Dame of the Knights of the Noah Jenner Roundtable. I think you might like some Chardonnay and Ren boys. Who knows? Hookers and Blow might be for you as well. Uh, at any rate, we welcome you to the uh, very prestigious club. And uh, you'll be receiving your knight slash dame ring as we're ending that at the end of this year. I did get a recommendation, John. Uh, Someone said we might want to consider belt buckles as a new premium. Yeah, and what are the women going to get? A belt buckle. Yeah, I'm sure that's what they want. Belt buckles are... put it on the list of things to consider. Belt buckles look pretty hot on chicks. (laughs) Are two heads on there? (laughs) (laughs) Looking in. Or like looking hey, down. Hey, <laughs> our, our two hey heads now. looking down. Let me go back to this. I, I, sorry I got distracted here, but I got to go back to this. This moment magnitude scale, which uh, is also called local magnitude. We've done this a million times. It's nothing no, new. No, but this is different. This is other stuff going on here. I want to read this. It says we call it local magnitude scale, but when you put it on the thing, you got to put ML. How's that ML, like magnitude local? Is that what that means? And then at the end of this, it says the formula for Magnet for moment wave. What's MW? This whole thing is confusing. What's MW? I don't know. Anyway, what they say at the end is that the two scales, the old scale and the new scale, are adjusted so the two numbers roughly correspond. So what's the point? It's bull crap. There's something up with this. Well, we, we've known that for years and we, yeah, I know, we gave up on like, it. Every time I read about it, I get irked. So I've been tracking the uh, pharmaceutical industry. <laughs> And uh, there, uh, well, there's a couple things going on, Uh, but it's obvious that now that we already know that all of the big pharma companies uh, want to uh, push people towards vaccines, uh, there's really an unhealthy push towards giving people medication in general who are just not sick, They're just not sick. And the latest, here's a report from the BBC, and uh, I'm amazed that the BBC broadcast this stuff. Our thought for the day, at six minutes to eight. More people should be prescribed statins to prevent heart attacks and strokes. That's the finding of research published in The Lancet. The Lancet, by the way. The Lancet? Yeah, this is the one that they, they, they blindly rely on The Lancet. Scientists looked back at previous studies and concluded that 2,000 lives could be saved every year if more people were given the drugs which lower cholesterol. Professor Colin Bajant is a consultant in public health at Oxford University and one of those behind this latest study, and he's here in the studio. Good morning. Morning. Now, uh, morning. doctors up until now have been reluctant to prescribe statins for people who don't have high cholesterol, not least because they are cholesterol-lowering drugs and also because of the risks or the risks that had fears that, of risks that have been associated with them. That, that's right to some extent. Uh, uh, we've had great success in reducing the risk of heart attacks and strokes over the last few decades. But the problem we still have is that uh, over half of heart attacks and strokes come out of the blue and people who are previously healthy had no problems. So if we're going to have some impact on that, we've got to consider offering uh, treatments to healthy people. 
I roll mine at Lipitor. You got to cut that little piece off at the end. We I have will. to consider treatments for healthy people. This <laughs> Tre- is treatment for healthy unbelievable people. Unbelievable gall. And this, of course, is mainly for Lipitor, which has gone out of patent. So that you know, it's just like, how can we sell this? I know. Let's get a bunch of guys at the Lancet to say that uh, you know. We should give it to you if you don't have any cholesterol issues, if you don't have high blood pressure. And that's not the only one that I found. Alzheimer's. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. In a clinical trial that could lead to treatments that prevent Alzheimer's, people who are genetically guaranteed to develop the disease but do not have any symptoms will for the first time be given a drug intended to stop it. Federal officials announced on Tuesday the FDA is funding this clinical trial. Genetically guaranteed. Genetically guaranteed. It's being funded by Sibelius of the uh, Health and Human Services and Genentech. This genetic stuff, oh, we got to be so careful with this. Before you know it, it's been like, oh, congratulations, Mrs. Walker. It's a boy. Oh, I'm sorry. We just test his genetics, and he's going to be a terrorist. So why don't we just chop his head off now? This is oh yeah. This is very very. We got to be very. And by the way, Unabomber warned for this. Then this other thing, and this one irked me because I, I I saw the story highlighted on of all programs, Morning Joe. <laughs> Morning Joe. And you know what? Morning. Who sponsors Morning Joe? I don't know. I never watch Morning Joe. Starbucks. Oh, well, of course. Morning Joe, I get it. I get it. Big story, ladies and gentlemen. Big story. Oh, yeah. I saw this story come across. Uh Uh-huh. The caffeine is great for Coffee helps fight disease. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Coffee drinking linked to longer life. So, you know, there's all this stuff on and on. I'm like, let me just find Let me find the actual study. And the study was done by the uh, New England Journal of, of uh, Medicine, which is a respectable outfit, I think. And I, I looked at all the disclaimer forms. No one, they, they, unless they're lying, everyone on the study has no incentive to lie about this. But here's the conclusion that this story is now based on. In this large perspective study, coffee consumption was inversely associated with total and cause-specific mortality. Whether this was a casual... Or, associ- or associational, associational finding cannot be determined from our data. In other words... They don't know anything. They don't know the anything. It's just like... So, so how do you come up with the other conclusion? How does that work? Well, people... Because the coffee... I mean, have you looked at the coffee futures? Did anything happen? Take a look at the chart. I didn't look Something at it. must have happened. I don't think so. Maybe I think just Starbucks wanting to sell more coffee. But the, the Starbucks is behind it. You're right. I think you, you hit it accidentally at the beginning. I don't know if they're behind it, but they're using they, it. Why for wouldn't sure. they be? Well, because that's what it, I would be doing. I'd be doing pumping. <laughs> Starbucks has got to promote coffee. Yeah, I know that. But I, this study is like there's nothing there. It's like so people who drank coffee didn't necessarily die uh, earlier or faster. That's their conclusion. You got you know people who pick their nose. I mean, it could be anything you want. <laughs> In fact, we should we should do that All study. Nose All nose pickers live a long live, life. Yeah, if you pick your nose, you live longer. That's exactly. Yeah, we also found out that if you pick it in public, you live even longer. <laughs> so we, we recommend it. And then we have um, on the HPV front in Australia now. They've had uh, 
Uh, here we go. Uh, 720 girls received the cervical cancer vaccine at a metropolitan school in Melbourne. 26 girls reported symptoms including dizziness, weakness, palpitations, and ticks. And, of course, immediately everyone comes out. Dr. Buttery. <laughs> That's a great name. My name is Dr. Buttery. This is conversion disorder. We already know that from American uh, tests. It's mass hysteria caused by social networking. <laughs> that is now the, the meme that is cemented forever. Now tuberculosis. Oh, yes. Teenager died of tuberculosis after a string of doctors failed to spot condition. One even branded her lovesick. This is a good one. So uh, Alina Sirak died after a uh, GP allegedly advised her that uh, she had a mental health problem of love sickness. Where was this? In the UK. And then in California, health officials arrested Armando Rodriguez of Stockton because he had active pulmonary tuberculosis and did not take his meds. Oh, yeah. Is, and, and, it, and apparently, as it turns out, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention said laws to control the spread, the spread of tuberculosis have been in use for more than a century. Only recently enforced. Yeah. On that guy. Yeah, there you go. Hey! Just take your medicine. Just take your meds, slave. And I'm going to get to the kicker in a minute. Okay. <laughs> First, let me tell you that, uh, unfortunately for you, John, uh, you have a mental disorder. I've known that. Do you know which one you have? Nah, it could be any number. So, I think laziness is one of them. Uh, oh, that might be in there. I've been looking at uh, at the DSM-5 for the uh, proposed revision of the uh, American Psychiatric uh, Association for what they deem to be um, mental mental uh, sickness. Yeah. Uh, See if you can guess the name of the disorder. Persistent difficulty discarding or parting with possessions, regardless of their actual value. (laughs) Uh, Hoarder dissociation (laughs) order. It's hoarding disorder. Hoarding disorder. (laughs) Well, I've got that. Exactly. You are so screwed, man. (laughs) I am. I need meds. (laughs) You're going to get them. I'm telling you, you're going to get them. Now, uh, there's one more. Oh, this, I don't want to keep that anymore. This is a good one. Working. Conduct disorder. Um, a repetitive and persistent pattern of behavior in which the basic rights of others or major age-appropriate societal... Oh, here we go. This oh, yeah. Is good. Now, listen to it. Or other major age-appropriate societal norms or rules are violated as manifested by the presence of at least three of the following 15 criteria in the past 12 months from any of the categories below, with at least one criterion presented in the past six months. So you have to have done at least one, um, three of the following 15 things. This is like, this is like getting a, par, uh, you know, a speeding ticket. You can only get so many a year and one point's deducted. Yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, if, oh, man, I'm so lucky. I did that, like, right outside the boundary. So here are the, uh, you only have to have three of the 15 and at least one of them in the past six months. Let's see if we qualify. 
Number one on the list. Often bullies, threatens, or intimidates others. Okay, we do that. Often initiates physical fights? No. No. Has used a weapon that can cause serious harm to others, i.e. bat, brick, broken bottle, knife, or gun. You shot a gun recently. Yes. So I'm, already, I'm already on two. Two for three. Yeah, I'm only on one. I haven't shot a gun for a while. <laughs> Has been physically cruel to people? No. Has been no. physically cruel to animals? Well, that's nope. open to interpretation. Do you eat well, an animal? Depends. Yeah, Did you, you know, one? kicking a dog is like humping yeah. your leg. Is that bad? <laughs> oh, John, I think you got two now. Have you kicked the dog who was humping your no, leg? No, I haven't. I just say it's a, just Has a stolen while confronting a victim? No. I'm sorry, I missed that? Has stolen while confronting a victim, like mugging, purse Has snatching. stolen? Yeah. Yeah. While confronting a victim? Yeah, like mugging, per, mugging Give, purse snatching, oh, mugging, extortion, or, or armed robbery. Oh, John, armed robbery. We got you there. Has, well, I didn't do any armed <laughs> robbery. <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying to up my ante on the bullying. Has forced someone into sexual activity? Oh, no. not me. Okay. Oh, well, so far, we're good. Uh, you're one for three. I'm two for three. Has deliberately engaged in fire setting with the intention of causing serious damage? No. Eh. Has deliberately destroyed others' property other than by fire setting? No. Has broken into someone else's house, building, or car? No. Often lies to obtain goods or favors or to avoid obligations? I haven't done that recently. Six months? Well, you know, sometimes you fib about your bill paying. Hey, the check's in the mail. That would count. I'll I take think, that I think, I think you're two for three. Uh, has stolen items of non-trivial value. It sounds like a typical teenager. Stolen items of non-trivial value? What does that mean? Is it like somebody's iPhone, I guess? Yeah, like, no, no, shoplifting. Yeah, but without no, we haven't br- done that. So what, it is, uh, does sound teenager It's like a teenager. Um, oh, Often stays out at night despite parental prohibitions beginning before age 13. Hmm. That's, that's a preteen thing. Yeah. Has run away from home overnight at least twice while living in parental or parental surrogate home. or want, How do they determine this crap? I don't know. And it seems to me as though this is like some, there's other issues involved. Like maybe the parents are screwed up if this person's stealing and, and trying to run away. Anyway, I think the whole point is a repetitive and persistent pattern of behavior in which the basic rights of others or major age appropriate societal ru- norms and rules are violated. Uh, yeah, it's being bullied. It's a bullying thing. It's about bullying, and you, you're going to have conduct disorder, and you're going you're gonna to get dosed up with Ritalin, kids. Get, get ready for it. But then the best one. Now, we all know that we've changed the uh, autism to something called the autistic uh, spectrum disorder. And ABC News is out on the forefront because, of course, what, what do we want you to do? We want you to get your kid to the doctor as soon as possible. When that kid pops out of your vagina, take it straight away to the doctor because the kid might have autism. And we have a test, John. Do you know the simple test? We have a test now. We have a test. Yeah. Yes, we have a test. Now we have news in the battle against autism. As you know, one out of every 88 children in this country diagnosed by the age of eight. And the best hope, early detection. Early detection. Today, the top autism experts in the, the best nation. best hope for what? For hope. Uh, for hope. Just have hope. Announced it's not have curable. Bo- What's the hope? Well, it's, no, Why this is, is early detection got anything to do with it? Listen to it. Welcome I'm to asking. Bro- 
I don't know because they, they just want to get you in there and uh, test you, your kid with drugs and stuff. I don't know. This is nuts. Not that autism isn't real, but they're taking it to an extreme. Your kid may just, well, listen to the report. Diagnosed by the age of eight and the best hope, early detection. Today, the top autism experts in the nation announced they have broken new ground. They say there is a simple way to find a red flag in children as young as six months. Six months, John. We can test your kids. This is bull crap. Oh, what is the test? The test is a very simple one. <laughs> thing parents can detect and something that could change lives. Here's ABC's medical editor, Dr. Richard Besser. Babies can tell you a lot without speaking a word. Benjamin's six months old. I'm going to do the head lag test. The head lag test, John. It's the head lag test. Watch his head as I pull his arms up. It comes right up with his body. That's normal for his age. But this is head lag. So I got I got to paint the picture for you. You got this baby lying on his back. You take his arms and you pull the baby up. And he's supposed to keep his head straight. If his head goes back like you know, like like you would do like oh, now the world's upside down. That's cool looking. Then you have head lag and therefore you're on the spectrum. Oh boy. And today the startling news. At 6 months, it could be the earliest possible sign. Of autism. Startling news. <laughs> Startling news. That's like the way he dramatizes it. Oh, it, it, the end of the report is the best. In research video, look again. See how his head stays back? Pediatricians have known head lag like this can be a sign of developmental delays. But today's study is the first to connect it to autism. Because early intervention is key. Yeah, early intervention is key. You got to get the kids doped up quick. Doctors say it could make a huge difference in treatment. You don't have what? to there's no cure and no treatment. It's all about the treatment. Listen, it's treatment. Wait until after the first birthday, until first words aren't emerging. Is that a donkey? We can go ahead and take action now to help the child develop better. Dr. Rebecca Landa tested a group of babies who had an autistic sibling. Babies at high risk. 75% of babies with head lag, like Ben, ended up diagnosed with autism at age two. And without that clue, Ben's parents would never have suspected it. I would have told you going into that day that everything was normal. When we see these kinds of indicators that development is disrupted so early in life, we really have a huge advantage to help children's brains connect themselves in a healthier fashion. Families can start therapy sooner. That's what happened with Ben, with intensive speech and occupational therapy. Here he is today. I'm going to blow your house down. I have a very loud, boisterous, wonderful three-and-a-half-year-old son. Ben is now considered only borderline delayed. Like yellow flowers. An amazing glimpse of what early intervention can do, beginning with a simple test. Good job. Good job. Now, before I play the end of the report, which is where it really all gets paid off, I think that actually if I had a kid... I'd say, oh, it's got head lag. Because you get to put them in a cool school where they actually pay attention to the kids. Well, no, that would be an interesting little yeah, game. No, no wonder these kids are turning, oh, uh, you know, my kid had autism because he had head lag. I got him into a special school where they really pay attention and love the kids and let him be nutty and spin around and do all kinds of crazy crap. And the kid turns out great. This is, I don't see why people don't see this. Yes, there is an autistic scale and issue and whatever i'm not saying it there isn't 
but maybe your kid's just a genius and give him some special attention. I'm sure Einstein would have been drugged up. Now, so, uh, l- l- listen to the end of the report because that's where it just becomes hilarious. Right, finish it hilarious. off. Hilarious. Oh, it is great to see the difference it can make. Oh, so great! I'm with a, I'm, let me have another drink. Let a drink. Why is there head lag? Do they think in a lot of autistic kids? You know, we know that children with autism have delays in a lot of their motor development, sitting, walking, running, but we do, we don't really know the why. And I won't, don't want parents to panic here because you were telling me in your practice you see head lag. And it does not necessarily mean autism. Exactly. Oh. I mean, every parent who sees this who has a six-month-old is going to do the head lag test, and, and that's a good thing. But I see children all the time with this. By nine months, it's gone, and they develop normally. But don't ignore it. You want to make sure that your doctor, if they see this, they're following up on it. Ah. Okay, good news tonight. Thank you, Rich. If you see something, say something. Uh, Just get your kid to the doctor early is disgusting. You're gonna, your, your pediatricians are supposed to see the kids anyway, so this doesn't make this whole report is bullcrap. Yeah, but it's it's propagating. It's what they do. So uh, let's go to a real quick uh, real news. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. And now back to real news. Since last night was the final, or was it Monday? I don't know. It was Monday. It was the last episode of your favorite show, Smash. Oh, don't tell me. I haven't seen it yet. We recorded it. I'm not going to tell you what happened. You have clips from it. I have two clips oh, that's that you horrible. have to play. One of them is the, just to get it. Is it going to spoil? They show is, that they're part of the propaganda machine. Is it going to spoil the episode? Clip. Is it going to spoil the episode? No, no, no. Just play it. It was frankly ridiculous. It's not about bullying. There's just no time. Well, let's buy ourselves some more time. You know how much that's going to cost? Half a million dollars. I'm not talking about a week. I'm talking about one day. We have a rough melody. We have some lyrics. What we don't have is a Marilyn. Another delay and the press is going to annihilate us. more than it's a time already annihilated oh, enough. <laughs> wow, that's acting. I can't. So anyway, so I got this clip that it turns out that the entire show has been summarized by one very small scene. I know the show as well as you do. I stayed up with you night after night helping you with it. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Fuck you. I lo- she said it. It doesn't make any sense. It's uh, idiotic. All right, we'll close that out. Very good. Thank you. And now back to real news. hole I like the show. Yeah, and, and we have sure the, the season toes. the season finale. <laughs> <laughs> you call me whatever you want. And we have the season finale, darn it. And that season finale is, uh, I'm looking if forward like to it. If you it so much, you would have watched it by now. No, because, no, you got home late last night. I went straight into reading government legislation. Hello, I've got a job here. Hey, so I saw something on the Bill Maher show that was a meme that's come and gone, and, but it, it keeps cropping up every once, in, every once in a while. I want to comment on it. Which is the food desert, which I think is a myth. Play the American this. public about what foods are better to eat also, and what are healthy. We're lifestyle. all assuming that that people have a choice, a food choice. Correct. We don't. A lot of people don't. Right. People that's who right. live in poverty or live right. in food deserts. Yeah, they don't right. have the option right. to buy broccoli. That's right. They don't go that's to exactly Whole Foods. Right. They couldn't afford it, and there's not one <laughs> right. near them if right. they could. It's cheaper to buy a ten pack of tacos. But maybe but, we can cut the it, health insurance companies out of this and save a lot of money too. Uh, food okay. desert. So I was just listening away there. It was like the crappy show that it is. But then it was uh, Langoria was a guest on there. She's the one who says, oh, and then people, poor people don't have a choice. They have to eat crap because there's, it's a food desert in their area. And I started thinking about this. And, in, and I realized that one of, the, one of the grocery stores I go to, 
which I think it's called Mi Hacienda or Mi Rancho. I think it's Mi Hacienda. It's one of these big Mexican uh, stores. Huge. It's in the so-called food desert. Mm-hmm. It's in the worst part of the ghetto of Oakland. I go there because they have a number of things that I can only get there, as a matter of fact. And they have a huge fruits and vegetable area. It's a monstrous Mexican store that it, that is bigger than any Safeway. They got more fruits and vegetables than any Safeway. The, the, the Latinos in particular eat quite well. They know how to cook. They know how to use an avocado properly. They got all that stuff in there. And I'm thinking this whole food desert thing was always bull crap. To make, I don't know what the point of it was. These guys obviously never go into a ghetto area and look around at the grocery stores. There's plenty of them, and they're big. I will contradict you on one thing. Uh, When we were on a Hot Pockets tour, we did run into what I would classify as food deserts. And the main place would be when we visited Rhino the Bearded in um, Mississippi. And the only choices they have is food shopping at Walmart which I would say the food there is probably crap and uh, the only the and the gas station because they they would buy falafels for uh, from the gas station. All right, let's go. Let's back up a notch. Have you ever been to a Walmart grocery store? Yes, I've been to one. There's one in uh, Squim uh, up in uh, near Port Angeles up north. The thing is huge. It's yeah, got but, all kinds of. I mean, it's monstrous. Yeah, but, in fact, but it the, puts the little stores out of business. It's a real problem. Yeah, but it's, and it's, generally speaking, in Mississippi, they'll have farmers markets. I'm not buying a word of this. Felt like you a can food. get good food anywhere with very little effort. Well, this will be well. That's John at Dvorak dot org, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, send me if you got a, if you're living in a food <laughs> desert. I'd like to know about it. Well, what was the tie into healthcare there that they were talking about? Because that was that's maybe the angle that they're trying to push with the food desert. Because this is a Michelle Obama term. She started this whole thing, so you know there's got to be something behind it. Uh, I didn't see the connection. I mean, they were talking. There was just a gen. It was a really weird show because Mara was was overpowered. Grover Norquist was there, and all he was doing is sneering the whole time. He never cracked a smile. Mm-hmm. And he and every time Mars said one of his stupid things, he'd jump in and jump all over it with with um, with unique sarcasm that Mar didn't even get half the time. I mean, he's extremely sarcastic. And Mar was saying, well, you can't be serious. Oh, oh, yo, I, and the guy, Norquist, at one time, after Mar didn't get one of his sarcastic comments, Norquist sarcastically said, I thought this was a comedy show. And it backed Mar up. He really had Mar no. on the road. I think, you know, when we have fine programming on C SPAN, why are you wasting your time on the Bill Maher show? I just caught this by accident. So I think we should uh, do a little trip around Euroland just to make sure that uh, we know what's happening for uh, the slaves in the United States of Gitmo Nation and in other uh, parts of the world where this is just not being reported on. You don't know what's happening. Um, I will start with uh, El Presidente of the uh, European Commission, uh, Barroso, uh, who was very clear about the Greeks. Uh, of course, the Greeks uh, could not come to an agreement they have until, I think, the 17th now, and then they're going to vote again. And it looks like they're not going to vote for uh, more painful, uh, odious debt-based lashings. And Barroso had this message. In a democracy, new elections are the natural consequence of the impossibility to form a government out 
of the existing elections. It will now be for the Greek people to take a fully informed decision on the alternatives. Having in mind... <laughs> the alternatives, which will be complete annihilation by death ray. That is you know, the, the thing that I'm noticing, because I have one clip about some of the action going on there, but the thing I'm noticing is more... I mean, we've talked about this on the show, but it's starting to crop up in the conversation more and more, which is that the problem with all this... You know, there's Greek and they want to drop the EU. The problem with the monetary union is that you need to make it work. You need a political union. Yeah. And that's the meme. And that's, of course, obviously Germany taking over the place without having to shoot, you know, having to shoot people. Correct. Let's listen to Barroso kind of say that. Be indeed a historic election. We will, of course, respect the democratic decision of the Greek people. At the same time, the Greek citizens should be aware that there are other 16 democracies in the euro area and that the democratic decisions taken by the euro area must also be taken into account. Uh, here he's setting them up, saying if you screw the pooch on us, then you were not being, not, you did not have solidarity, you did not take everyone else into account, and therefore... If we see a Greek person, we're going to kick your ass. Greece is part of our family. Family. Greece is a very important member state in the European Union. <laughs> Since when are they an important member state? <laughs> we want Greece <laughs> to remain a part of our family, of the European Union, and of the euro. The European Commission has been working tirelessly to oh, fuck you. that end, and we will continue to do so. What? This being People continue to do so. Said, he sounded like he's... Okay, never mind. What did he sound like? Well, go ahead. It sounded like he said, fuck you and we'll continue to do so. <laughs> I think that's what he said, actually. Let's listen again. And we'll continue to do so. No, back. <laughs> did he really say that? That'd be funny. Greece is a very important member state in the European Union. We want Greece to remain a part of our family, of the European Union, and of the euro. The European Commission has been working tirelessly to that end, and will continue to do so. This being said, the ultimate resolve to stay in the euro area must come from Greece itself. Yeah, he didn't say it, but I, I think that was the, the underlying idea. Well, maybe it was the Skype connection. Uh, might have been. So, Whatever. Uh, Merkel was a little bit more clear. Uh, she says, uh, you know, put up, shut up or get out. <laughs> um, yeah, of course, um, we've had uh, over a billion euros withdrawn in one day from the Greek banks. And uh, this just off the press uh, in Bankia, Bankia in Spain, uh, which is a, a big Spanish bank. Uh, at this moment, there's a run on the bank, according to Mr. Oil. One point three billion has been taken out dollars. That is so about a billion euros. And they've been forced to report this. So that so there's a run on the bank in Spain. So we're looking at, uh, obviously, uh, civil unrest and all kinds of uh, bad things happening. And here's an example. Um, and this is from uh, something uh, Baron Stephen Pelsmacher sent me. Um, there was a 78-year-old Dutch guy living in Greece. He'd been living there for 10 years. And a couple of Greeks 
who uh, were drunk. Uh, that's about the only thing left to do in Greece. Uh, said, hey, you're Dutch. Ah, you're one of those guys who are forcing us to pay up. We're gonna, and they beat him up. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, this is just the beginning. Because this yeah, is what yeah. Barroso is doing. Is World War Three. we're looking yeah. at here. Oh, yeah. And this is not just a financial Armageddon. This is an actual huge... I mean, we need a no-fly zone over Europe, as far as I'm concerned. In well, Italy, we're going to need one. In Italy, uh, the Italian tax offices now have armed soldiers... Because, of course, you know, people are, are going to start attacking the, um, uh, uh, the tax uh, offices. In Gitmo Nation lowlands, interesting things happening there. They've done a deal. Now, you remember the, uh, the cabinet fell and the remaining five coalition parties, uh, they put together the Dutch austerity package. Hey, Dutchies, bend over. Here it comes. You ready? We've done it said Finance Minister Jan Kees de Jager, who, I will repeat, is a total moronic a-hole. He used to be a Microsoft IT integration guy, and all of a sudden he winds up being the, uh, the Minister of Finance. The deal includes 12 billion euros worth of cuts and tax increases. Hey now! Details have not been made public, but value-added tax rising to 21%. Limits on mortgage tax relief. <laughs> Cuts in health service spending. <laughs> and a new state pension age of 66. <laughs> there you go. You're screwed. So I thought it was amusing. I have this clip uh, where the British who are... C- Half the British are kind of on to this, and they kind of like to chide everyone. I thought this was kind of funny. It was a BBC reporter but describing some of the problems in the EU and then sticking it to Germany by saying, you know, if these cheap bastards would just cough up some more money, it might improve things. There are escalating fears that Greece will leave the euro and that the ensuing turmoil will force a more serious fracture of the currency union. The big indebted economies, Spain and Italy, look considerably weaker, the borrowing costs for their governments soaring again. These crises have been met with firefighting, which for a period have put out the flames. The big question now is whether the currency union is up for the kind of fundamental reform that's necessary to ensure its long-term survival. What may be needed is a greater willingness by Germany to deploy more of its fearsome financial resources to help the weaker economies such as Spain and Italy in their period of painful transition. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. It's almost like chiding them. And hey, I, you guys get all the money. Oh, and I love this uh, EU observer. Uh, the finance ministers uh, are about to endorse a report, which is not out yet, but it's the it's 470 pages. I can't wait to read it. You know I get off on this stuff. It's the 2012 aging report drafted by the EU Commission. And uh, the headline here on the, uh, the uh, conclusion of the report, aging Europeans need to work longer and expect less. And shut up. <laughs> Shut up, slave. Get back to work. Shut up. Work longer. Expect less. It's the European way. Oh, I love it. I have to give props to Geert Wilders, though. Uh, He is suing the Dutch state 
for ratifying the European Stability Mechanism. And I warned everyone about this. It wasn't supposed to happen until 2013. This is the um, agreement that the finance ministers ratified in July of 2011 that basically says, okay, whenever there's a cash call, everyone has to pony up. And Wilders is now taking uh, the state um, uh, to court over it, which is very weird because he's in the government. But he's saying, you know, this never should have happened. And was case young, young case de Yacha was that same finance minister who signed off on it because Brussels now has 100% autonomy to just say, hey, we need some more money. Pay up, slaves. And it's going to come from people like the, the, the Dutch. It's going to just... What do you give it, John? First it was the bicycles, now it's their money. <laughs> what do you give it? How much longer before this is just done? Uh, I think it will probably be uh, either at the very end of this year, or first quarter of 2013. And then, and then what do you expect it to actually be? Oh, just a, an unbelievable depression. Riots in, the, in Europe, it's going to be riots in the street. Anti-German sentiment will be cropping up. It's all hell is going to break loose. I mean, we won't even know how bad it's going to get. It's already breaking loose in small ways, but it's not reported here. Only these countries that are out of it, Switzerland, Norway, those guys will come out smelling like a rose. Yeah. Is there there anything we can advise to our... uh, our Farmland. (laughs) Farmland. Can I say? No, I don't know what to do. I mean, this is horrible. I, I can do advise one thing. They get they need to get as much information and, and perspective as possible, and they need to don- donate to the No Agenda Show. That would be the way to go, Dvorak.org slash NA. That's my advice. And, I'm, and I might want to point out that uh, we have our own issues. In the state of California, where you live, John, uh, did you see the most recent uh, little announcement by uh, your governor, your, your, uh, your Merkel there, Jerry yeah. Brown? Yeah, we're a bit in the hole. Taxes, go- is taxes going up to 13.3%. Yeah, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> it was it was ten percent, and now it's thirteen thirteen point three. That's state income tax above your federal it hasn't income been tax. Passed. It hasn't been approved. Oh, it's you know, and then uh, sales tax going up. He, he, yeah, no, it's a, it's a complete scam. Are you it's get, a ripoff. Are you going to get it's out? All the, to pay the salaries of a bunch of middle administrators that don't do anything. And what's going to happen to California? Well, I think anyone in their right mind will get out of here if you're going to pay that kind of money. Stay away from Texas. It's no good here. Go away. <laughs> it's totally crap. It's like, you know, it's Washington too State, hot. there's no personal income tax, so I can just scarf my subway, get up there. Yeah, you sell that place and get out. Get out, John, I tell you. Get out while, while you still can. All right. I have an end of show clip, but you, I see you have one as well. Do you want to? Well, what is yours? I have Chris Matthews on Jeopardy. Why don't you go in and watch and see Spanik this kind of crap? What does he make some kind of a funny blunder? He gets nothing right. <laughs> oh no. It's like two minutes of him being a total idiot on Jeopardy. And he was oh, up against man. Robert Gibbs. Um So he actually beeps the thing and gets it wrong? Yeah, he gets everything wrong. He, but All like, right, play your clip. We can mine mine can go uh next on Sunday. This, by the way, is the man who said, let me see, I have his quote here somewhere. Um, here he is. About Sarah Palin. Is this about her brain power? Do you think cute will beat brains? Do you think she'd do better on the questions on Jeopardy or the interview they do during a halftime? 
My suspicion is that she has the same lack of intellectual curiosity that the President of the United States has right now, and that's scary. And that was about George Bush, obviously. Yeah. So she actually, he actually said Sarah Palin would suck on Jeopardy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have to be careful what you say. So that'll be your end of show clip. And uh, we will continue to enforce our tedious burden of watching C-SPAN, reading government legislation, and pulling apart all kinds of bull crap so you don't have to. And I do that here from the Camp Mofos in the capital of the Drone Star State, Austin, Texas, in the morning, everybody. My name is Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where the uh, garbage trucks are going by, the wind is blowing, the sun is trying to get out, and uh, and it's not the best day I've seen. I'm John C. Dvorak. Support what we do at Dvorak.org slash NA. We'll talk to you Sunday right here on No Agenda. Uh, let's go back to uh, what is uh, crossword clues E? I mean, I'm sorry. Let's go $200 for the category crossword clues E. <laughs> All right. Pay attention now. At blank, soldier, four letters. Chris. At E, soldier. What is that E, soldier? All right. What we'll is accept. E, soldier? What is E, soldier? E's, yes. All right. Less than a minute to go now. Select. Finished it out for 2000. Full name of the U 2 pilot shot down over the Soviet Union in 1960. Chris. Who is Gary Powers? We need the full name. Who is Gary Powers? No. <laughs> Lizzie? Who is Francis Gary Powers? That's it. Yes. Full name. Lizzie Benefits. She selects. <laughs> Law and order for 800? A USDC is one of these, charged with the jurisdiction of a specific region. Chris. What is a U.S. attorney? No. Lizzie. What is a district court? That's it. Well, let's do it again. Uh, law and order for 2000. In 1986, the Supreme Court ruled that the hostile environment type of this can be sex discrimination. Lizzie. What is a work environment? No. Chris. What is a hostile workplace? No. A hostile environment type of sexual harassment. Let's do it again. Six letter words for uh, capitals for 800. St. Basil's Cathedral is there. Chris. What is uh, Istanbul? No. Lizzie or Robert? Six letter capital, Moscow. And Robert Gibbs, congratulations. This show as well as you do. I stayed up with you night after night helping you with it. It doesn't make any sense. Dvorak.org slash N-A